Hey everyone, welcome to episode 129 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG Tour. Today our focus is entirely on Theros Beyond Death. Yes. So we are uh, doing our full-on set review. We are kind of basing this on pre-ordering the cards is what we've done the past couple of times and people have been pretty happy with that. Yep. Whether it's worth buying at the price that it's at right now, rather than trying to give it like a, you know, one, two, three, four, five stars or an A rating or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit different this time, because uh, what I have done is uh, I went ahead and just bought a common uncommon playset. Oh, okay. Because it seems like just a smarter thing to do, generally. <laughs> you know, it's like 50 bucks, and then yeah. you don't have to worry about the commons and uncommons yeah. ever. So, uh, with the commons and uncommons, we're pretty much just going to say, like, playable or not playable. Mm-hmm. And then with the other cards, we'll look at the, the, the rares and the mythics. We will look at the, the price and think about whether it's worth pre-ordering or not. We are not finance guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's not our game. These are, these are cards that I am purchasing for my own personal use. And so, if you are trying to, like get cards for standard play and stuff like that then maybe maybe this will be helpful hopefully and but, you know i'd like to think that we're pretty reasonable at guessing which cards are going to be valuable or not in yeah the future, so yeah i think that that is true and generally we're just going to talk about what cards we think are going to be good in what kinds of decks and that sort of thing which right. is really what this is about i i don't want to spend too much time on just nonsense because we got <laughs> a lot of stuff to do let's so. get into it all right i'm excited all right uh so i'll read the white ones i guess okay and then all right, so the first one is completely unpronounceable. This is Elseid of Life's Bounty. This is a one white mana, one one, uncommon, lifelink. Uh, it's an enchantment creature, nymph. It has lifelink, one, sacrifice it. Target creature or enchantment you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Mm. This feels like a key ingredient if there are any, um, like, Bogle-style decks in Standard, or any life gain theme decks in Standard, or any aggressively slanted, like, enchantment constellation-type decks. It yeah. just kind of does a lot. It has lifelink, protects whatever your important thing is, um, especially if that's, like, Satessan Champion, like the Enchantress effect, mm. and it is an enchantment. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's got... It's it's not, a, like, very powerful in any one specific way, but right. if it adds... If any of its weird keywords are relevant to what you're trying to do, like maybe you need a cheap enchantment. Yeah. Or maybe you need a cheap lifelinker, which I believe is uh, one of the newer archetypes that people are trying out is this kind of like white weenie style lifelinking mm-hmm. um, deck. Um, I know you were playing a little bit of that. Did this make the cut there? Uh, it did. Like, it's very important to that deck. Mm-hmm. However, I don't believe, and we'll talk about this probably more when we get to Heliod itself. Yeah. I don't believe that that deck is the build of White Weenie okay. that has what it takes sure. in, in this standard. Fair enough. But yeah, this card just does a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Importantly, it's a very cheap constellation trigger, which yeah. can be important with cards like this next one, Archon of Sun's Grace. So this is two white-white for a 3-4 flying lifelink archon. Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink and constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white Pegasus creature token with flying. So pretty nice if you can trigger that constellation ability the turn that you play this card. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, this card, uh, I, most of my experience with these cards is coming from a limited context. Right, you've been playing a lot um, of limited lately. Playing, yes, many, many limited drafts. I mean, this card is a clear bomb in limited, and that is typically an indication that it has constructed playability. And I think it is at the right mana cost for that as well. Mm -hmm. It's just four mana. So if there is a strong constellation deck in standard, this is going to be part of it. Yeah. So whether or not that deck is going to exist remains to be seen, and it might take a couple more sets of like more enchantments mm -hmm. to get there. But this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think. It feels like we're close to the cap of like playable cheap enchantments that we're gonna get here. Like, okay. I don't know that we're gonna get better stuff than these two mana sagas and the you know omen of the sea and stuff like that. If you're trying to hmm. trigger constellation and, sure. and replace your card, I'm not sure that we can do that much better than what we've got already. Yeah. And that's fair. And if that's true, I don't think that the constellation decks are gonna make it. Could be. Yeah. I have seen the Archon, uh, I know Brian Gottlieb posted like a mid-range blue-white deck mm -hmm. that he has been really happy with that just happens to have a number of enchantment synergies because the sagas, the cheap sagas are really good in that deck yeah. and it has like thirst for meaning so you can pitch them later when they're not that good and then this is just a mid-range threat that, you know, you can come down play a cheap enchantment with it to bring a Pegasus, or they have to kill it, and then it's in your graveyard for Elspeth Conquers Death, which mm. is another excellent card that we'll talk about. So I think that maybe this can also function as more of a mid-range threat in a deck that happens to have a lot of enchantments in it. Sure. However, it is pretty vulnerable if you're not triggering that Constellation on, on that turn. You know, just a four-mana, four-toughness guy that yeah. just dies is not really where you want to be. Yeah. I do love the curve of it into Elspeth Conquers Death specifically, <laughs> though. Yeah, no, that's fair, for sure. Looks like they're a dollar right now. I think I will be pretty happy to pick up three at a dollar. I don't think they'll go up mm -hmm. at all, but I, this is a card that I like, and I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't actually get there. Sure. But it is, uh, I guess they're like 70 cents. That's I'll buy three of them and <laughs> I'll be happy. Fair enough. Next up, we've got Banishing Light. This is a reprint of a classic white effect. Two and a white enchantment. When Banishing Light enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So thank God this is back. We <laughs> yeah. needed this. We needed something that could get rid of Anissa. Yeah. <laughs> is kind of the, the crux of and, it. And is like playable in a yeah. way that Prison Realm really right isn't this, this hits fires yeah. this hits you know whatever creature this hits that nissa yeah it just hits any non-land permanent and that you know it's very important yep you know also and i'm gonna sound like a broken record the fact that this is an enchantment is important yeah in this set for you know thirst for meaning purposes although you don't really want to discard this that much it's <laughs> it's, it's pretty premium i've been playing it and constructed as a four of in multiple decks and yep. it is good enough it is just yep. what you want yeah, I mean, you know, we, 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 like, this is a classic O-ring effect. It's mm -hmm. just O-ring, but yeah. slightly different wording. Yeah. Um, it's just been a while since we've had one that mm -hmm. is like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, so definitely playable. Yep. It'll be around. Yep. It's an it. uncommon, though, so right. we don't need to worry about it. Nope, we don't. Next, we've got Birth of Melitus. Mm -hmm. The Birth of Melitus. So this is one of those cheap sagas. One in a white. It's... One is search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Two, create a 0-4 colorless wall artifact creature token with defender. And three, 
you gain two life. Mm-hmm. A lot of really minor effects. Yeah. But I've been playing this card. Yeah. Honestly, this is my favorite little card from the set. <laughs> Just like it does a little bit of each thing that yeah. you could potentially want. When you are playing like I, I played a couple of different Doom Foretold decks mm-hmm. to to try out. Um spoiler cat is still too good to play to allow you to play doom foretold sad uh if they when, when you have a doom foretold in your hand and you're looking at their board and it's like four food tokens and a cat in their graveyard you're, you're just, just like never getting value okay you're yeah. giving them value because you give them extra drain lives against you it's yeah. really bad yeah but you know in a doom foretold type of deck or even in just a blue white deck with thirst for meaning and uh you know whatever other enchantment synergies you've got like this is so much better than an egg. Mm-hmm. It gives you a wall to block with. It yeah. gives you two life. Right. It leaves this thing to sacrifice and you still have a wall around. And whenever you draw a card with your two mana egg, you almost always want to draw a land off of it. Yeah. So guaranteeing that planes is is so nice for any mid-rangey or, or controlling kind of deck. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, this isn't a world beater, but <laughs> it's a good two drop that yeah. replaces itself and and then you discard the extras to thirst for meaning later in the game so i've been impressed with it yeah i like it definitely fits well into the archetypes that want this kind of effect mm-hmm. yeah and it just feels really good to cast it on turn two and know that you're going to make your next two land drops like right. i'm not stumbling this game it's nice yeah yeah that's actually a big fixture of this format that i found is a lot of the decks that can play non-creature two drops like like that they're not trying to curve out with creatures mm-hmm. they kind of guarantee their their land drops because there's so many mm-hmm. enchantments now that help you with that so okay. those decks don't stumble that much anymore fair enough next up for the curve out creature decks <laughs> we have daxos blessed by the sun white white for a 2x legendary enchantment creature demigod daxos's toughness is equal to your devotion to white whenever another creature you control enters the battlefield or dies you gain one life mm-hmm. It gains a lot more life than meets the eye, mm-hmm. I think. Both ETB and dies triggers for gaining life is a lot. Yeah. When you have just a bunch of creatures around yeah. and are trading off in combat and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, that, that big toughness is not irrelevant either. Yeah, the big toughness is nice. Just adding two devotion pips to mm-hmm. the decks that care about that is also pretty good. Yeah. It's so, so a never, solid role player. You never are going to play Daxos Blessed by the Sun in any format without Heliod in the same deck as him. Probably not. Yeah. He's just... It he's, says on the card. He's just here for Heliod. Play, play yeah. him play him with the sun god. <laughs> Blessed by the sun. Um, yeah. But he fits that role. You know, the two drops in standard are still like kind of anemic, and he is better than he he, he does the thing that you want to do in that. What deck. do you think the right number of Daxos is? Is it three? I think it is three because he doesn't die very much. Sure. He's not that important for your like he does things for you, mm-hmm. but it's not like a runaway steam can where yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. i gotta he's kill not gonna, this thing right yeah exactly so he stays in play a lot mm-hmm. so feels like a three up it you know i started with four and cut down to three in the the white weenie deck that i was playing that makes a lot of sense so yeah fine card does the thing doesn't do anything crazy right um it does enable it is one of the two drops that enables heliod and walking ballista to win on turn four Okay. Because you get a life gain trigger off of your casting the ballista on turn four. That puts a plus one plus one counter onto the ballista. And then you can And then it. you can go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is another spot for it. But still with Heliod. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next we have Eidolon of Obstruction. This is one and a white for a two one enchantment creature spirit with first strike. 
Loyalty abilities of Planeswalkers your opponents control cost one more to activate. And this one's a rare, so finally I have to actually yeah. check up on the price. And it's one more mana to activate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not another loyalty counter. It, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's better this way because it means your opponent can't just, like, play Anissa, activate, activate it yeah. for, you know, they don't really care if the, the loyalty goes up or stays at zero for their Nissa. Right, right. I think this is, like, a fine hate card for some specific strategies, but this is definitely more of a sideboard card and feels pretty... It feels Narrow. not strong enough for a sideboard card, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I'm not very high on this card at all. I'm really low on it. Mm-hmm. I think I appreciate them giving us ways to assertively attack Planeswalker-heavy mm-hmm. strategies. Yeah. But I don't think that this is it. It benefits a little bit from having the enchantment type. Maybe, you know, if you're in some sort of aggressive deck where that matters, it has first strike which mostly matters like if you have anthem effects or something like that to pump this up once it's a little bigger and it has first strike that becomes really relevant but honestly that effect the the time i'm gonna see i'm i would think it matters the most is when you're playing like game one against a blue white deck and you play this and they have teferi time raveler in the hand and it just like (laughs) makes that card even more awkward against the aggressive deck than it already was yeah but it's not going to stop them from beating you with their Ashiok or whatever, or their Nicol Bolas, or, like, they're just going to pay the one or kill this if it actually matters. Yeah. And I, I just don't think it does enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I'm i definitely not going out of my way to fit this into any deck that I want to play, so. Yeah. It, you know, it might be the two of two drop that goes alongside whatever you have, but it's just not impressive. Right. It's like 50 cents. I'm just not very likely to be playing a deck with this in it so i'm not gonna quite bother Mm. this card on the other hand this card (laughs) elspeth conquers death this is a rare saga three white white its first chapter is exile target permanent and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or greater two non-creature spells your opponents cast cost two more to cast until your next turn so that covers your turn and their turn um not the most powerful effect but sometimes does something Three, return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a plus one, plus one counter or a loyalty counter on it. Mm-hmm. Just every time this card gets cast, like my opinion of it goes up. Yeah, it's an insane two for one. Yeah. Uh, it comes down, kills the thing that, on the board that you're scared about. It, exile, it exiles it even, which yeah, is pretty relevant. It's really good. Um, and then, yeah, and then you can rebuy your best thing in your graveyard, um, which... You know, sometimes it's hard to set up depending on which deck you're playing. Right. But generally, you should be able to find yourself in a spot where you're getting some amount of value off of the return. And I think that's mostly a deck building uh, constraint. Yeah. You know, you have to build your deck such that most of the time when you cast Elspeth Conquers Death on turn five, Mm -hmm. not necessarily that you have something in your graveyard, but it makes things really awkward for them. Like, if you have a four mana Planeswalker that you curve into this... They don't then want to start attacking down your Planeswalker. Right. Yeah. They got to wait a turn. Things get really awkward. Yeah. But yeah. The, the other option is let you keep activating your Planeswalker against them. Right. Or if you curve that Archon that makes Pegasus, mm-hmm. you play that on turn four. You don't care what they do to it as long as it's not lava coiling it. Yeah. Um, if they don't kill it, you're going to get a trigger off this Elspeth Conquer's death. If they do kill it, you're going to get it back with <laughs> Elspeth Conquer's death. So. Right. 
yeah that that's a win that's a pretty good pretty good synergy for yeah. sure um so I, I think that you definitely want to pay attention to what's in your deck and and, I, and by that i mean like change your deck composition mm-hmm. to fit this card yeah. in as an effective card because this card is really good yeah um the fact that it hits target permanent with converted mana cost three or greater i've hit cavalier of thorns i've hit nissa i've hit fires of invention mm-hmm. uh i've hit it's just a catch-all yeah you, you even against the the relatively low curve mono black deck like you hit ayara mm-hmm. you hit the uh the four mana four four enchantment guy um it just like kills something yeah. really relevant against everybody three seems like the perfect number for that yeah because even like yeah even the load of the ground stuff has like impactful threes that you want off the board yep yep so. um it's like a buck 25 i'm gonna go ahead and buy three i've seen I, I i don't know that you can fit four into a deck so you know happy to buy three yeah next we have elspeth herself elspeth sun's nemesis two white white for a five loyalty planeswalker uh, minus one, up to two target creatures you control, each get plus two, plus one until end of turn. Minus two, create two one one white human soldier creature tokens, and minus three, you gain five life. Um, kind also. of a controversial... Oh yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> also, escape four white white, exile four other cards from your graveyard. That's important. Yeah. Kind of a controversial planeswalker. Yeah. Uh, and definitely very different from anything we've seen before. Yeah. I, so I haven't really played much constructed, mm-hmm. but from based off of what I've heard, uh, I do think that Elspeth is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the fact that it has escape is very relevant and comes up, and just being able to like you know turn this into a decent number, a decent amount of value mm-hmm. with the one ones, um, and then getting it back later, yeah. is just a good engine. Yeah, and I think that. So we're going to talk about Heliod next. Uh, I played a life gain version of White Weenie that was, you know, lifelink one drops into a Johnny's Pride Mate and Heliod and some other like on theme stuff. And honestly, while it was powerful, it felt a little bit slow. But a lot of those same cards actually work really, really well with Elspeth. Cheap evasive guys and you play Elspeth. If you don't even have to take a turn to make the one ones, and you just start going plus two plus one to two guys, yeah. you know she's playing like an almost Hellrider kind of role yeah. here, just coming down and like adding haste power to the board. If their game plan is point removal spells at your stuff, she's not only a planeswalker, but she's a planeswalker that threatens to come back once yeah. or twice over the course of a game. Right. Yeah. Um, the. I've I've played her a little bit in like some more mid rangey strategies and stuff. The concern that I have about her is that while she has a lot of value and she keeps doing stuff over the course of a very long game, uh, some of the strategies in standard right now really go over the top. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how many times you can bring Elspeth back if they've gone like Cavalier of Thorns into Hydra Cra- or you know Nissa into Hydra Crisis or they're doing Cavalier of Thorns quasi duplicate stuff or whatever. Like right grinding doesn't work against that yeah and that is definitely part of my reservation about this elspeth is that her impact on the board you know unless it's being very proactive is typically not a lot Mm -hmm. comparatively in the format so yeah i mean i can definitely see what you're talking about where she's gonna fall behind and just not be able to like generate the value that her escape mechanic wants to generate because i think that the biggest part of 
this Elf's Beth being strong is the fact that it's going to be an escape card and yeah. come back and stuff. So Yeah. I, I think the best use for her really is sort of as a, like, Gideon ally of Zendikar, mm-hmm. like, uh, analog. Right. You have creatures already, and she comes down and helps them just push through kind of whatever. Yeah. If your creatures have flying, you know, if you went, like, Healer's Hawk into Tomek into whatever <laughs> into this, like, yeah. you're pushing through an enormous amount of damage with Elspeth. Yeah. So, definitely. also of note, she does make human soldier tokens, and they've been very careful about making human tokens. Okay. I could see this in Pioneer with Alia's Lieutenant. Like, that's not a crazy thing at all. That's fair. They are pre-ordering at $7, which I think, you know, even with our reservations about where this card is good, mm-hmm. that seems like a steal to me. Yeah. So, I, w- I saw this a couple of days ago and went ahead and pre-ordered four just because I was like, it could... <laughs> Somebody could figure it out in the next day or two, right. and then it'll explode. And mythics like this with, like, new mechanics, it's going to be hard for it to go under $7. So yeah. It seems like a pretty safe investment there. Right. I have been pretty happy playing with this card. It just does good stuff, and if the game goes long, like, it just eventually runs away with it. Fair enough. Kind of slowly, but that's what it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next is Heliod Suncrowned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, two and a white for a 5-5 five, five legendary enchantment creature god. Indestructible. As long as your devotion to white is less than 5, Heliod isn't a creature. When you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control. One and a white, another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. Yeah, so a lot to talk about with this card, I yeah. guess. The, the biggest one that got a lot of people talking about it was the fact that it is an infinite combo in a couple of ways in Pioneer and modern yep uh in pioneer you can combine it with walking ballista mm-hmm. by giving your walking ballista lifelink whenever it pings you get another counter yep and then you just keep going <laughs> and then uh, it's got a couple of more combos in modern and this is where i'm really yeah. into it yeah i'm i do not think it's good in pioneer i think that the pioneer decks that are trying to play it with just walking ballista mm-hmm. the combo with walking ballista well, like while it exists it's pretty clunky and you know is you like need other stuff to make it happen on turn four and then you know all sorts of stuff right and you know the walking blista is always going to be vulnerable to fatal push or shock or whatever right during this yeah but yeah so in modern though it is involved in a a number of combos that Mm -hmm. you can fit all into the same deck yeah into a deck that is pretty capable of turning on his devotion too yeah which is a amazing for modern kitchen finks two white pips and combos with heliod yeah right and and combos with heliod um because you know kitchen finks gains you two life you can put a plus one plus one counter on it so it is its own you know malira yep uh uh, anifenza card yep so with a sack outlet that's infinite life even without a sack outlet it's just an unkillable kitchen finks right so you know you you don't die (laughs) As you're, like, digging through your deck to find your Viserysir. Right. Um, and then, you know, the other, like, pretty obvious combo is with Spike Feeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike Feeder on its own with a Heliod is just infinite. Right. Um, and you can Collected Company into both of those, which yeah. you've never <laughs> you've never been able to Collected Company into a two-card combo like that before. Yeah. So, right. So the, the new deck that people are trying out kind of is a marriage of all of these combos. It's got the Kitchen Figs combo. It's got the... It's got Spike Feeder combo. It's got uh, Ranger Captain of Eos. And I think Ranger Captain is the biggest get 
for this yeah, deck because it gets a walking ballista if you yep. want to do that it also gets giver of runes giver of runes or you know just the other stuff yeah. there's another card oh it gets like a it gets your viscera here, here. Mm -hmm. so it gets all, all the non-heliad parts right. of this combo uh, of the various combos that you can set up and it silences them mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> oh you've got fatal push-up well all i have is this heliod and this ranger captain in play you're dead I'm going to do it. Yeah, right. yeah, I've got you. Yeah, interacting with this deck is very, very difficult. Yep. And this deck is good against a lot of the aggro decks, just because of all of the life gain that I, you have to offer. I just, like, you would have to mulligan to four and then stumble really hard to not <laughs> to lose to burn. To lose to burn. Yeah. Right. You got yeah. four kitchen figs, four yeah. spike feeders, and an infinite life combo. Several <laughs> infinite life combos. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty scary yeah. from the burn's perspective. Um, so, yeah, I, I like this deck a lot. And Heliod is is the card that brings it all together. Yep. So I think that it's... I, I believe that that deck is going to be a modern staple moving forward. Yeah. So Heliod is going to be around and there's a reason to have him. Yep. So in Pioneer, I do think that deck is going to be playable to reasonable. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is worth freaking out about the way that people have been. Yeah. Uh, because you got to play a bunch of pretty bad cards to make that deck work. Like, yeah. I've seen build... Like, you, you do get to still play Anafenza, which is okay, but you're not comboing it with Kitchen Finks and stuff in the same way. It's not, like, filling that, you know, piece of a powerful combo role. There's there's just, you know, like, there's Boros Reckoner in the deck, and it's just, like, not doing that much. Yeah. You gotta play all of these white cards in this format that... And, and you know, I'll give Theros Beyond Death credit where it's due. Like, it is doing its best to give us playable white cards. Right. But that's not enough to bring white up to the power level in Pioneer <laughs> where I want to play a mono-white yeah. deck. Yeah. You and can the, do some cute stuff, though, with Boris Reckoner. People are playing Valorous Stance now. Yeah. So you can give it Indestructible and, and then, then have it just ping itself forever. With Life with Link. Heliod, yeah, with yeah. Life Link, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but So, the, the, yeah, there's cute stuff. But, again, like, this is a mono-white deck. You don't get to play Once Upon a Time and Collected Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get to play Ranger Captain of Eos. Like, you're just drawing your cards. Right. And you're hoping that, like, Heliod is a good enough card when I'm playing this, like, medium beatdown game. Right. And then maybe I'll draw my Walking Ballista and my Heliod, and they won't have a removal spell for my Walking Ballista. Right. I think it can be fine, but I don't think it's worth panicking about. No. Yeah. I, oh, definitely not panicking about it. Uh, and I don't think that people should, but... Uh, yeah, I, I do think that that deck is fine. Yeah. Like, you, you do get to play some powerful cards. You get, you know, right. you get to be a um, an Avacyn deck. You get to be a mm -hmm. Gideon deck. Like, these are these right. are very powerful cards. Right. You do get to play some, and you get to play what has been a fine strategy in a lot of formats, which is like a beat-down deck with a combo finish. Mm -hmm. And I don't hate that. I, I wish there were more deck manipulation to help you do that. And that would make me want to play the deck more. Yeah. Um, but we can't give, you know, the white color pie any sort of good stuff like no. that. Come on, Chris. I guess you get to play Board the Weatherlight if you want. You should not play <laughs> Board the Weatherlight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, in Standard, I definitely felt, you know, I, I, I said this a minute ago, I definitely felt that the Heliod deck could be pretty powerful. I definitely had some draws that were, like, doing some wild stuff. Mm -hmm. But even my draws, you know, I had one game where I went one drop into Daxos, into Heliod, into Linden, the Steadfast Queen, which gains you a life every time you attack with a creature. 
Um, oh, no, it wasn't even Dax's. It was Johnny's pride mate. Okay. So I had a giant pride mate, and I was just, like, spewing plus one, plus one counters onto stuff. But I was playing against a blue-green deck, and they were on the play, and they had 10 lands in play by the time I was doing this. <laughs> so I I made, like, 25 power on attacking on turn four, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't enough. Yeah. The, the stuff that is being done in this format is really, really powerful, and... I don't think that this is the way to do it. And then cap it off with the fact that there's a lot more Wraths being played. I would much rather be an aggro deck where my, like, capstone mythic card, like, my kind of expensive thing that I'm enabling is a Planeswalker like Elspeth yeah. that I can get Wrathed and be fine with it. Yeah. Rather than Heliod, which doesn't do much <laughs> after you've been Wrathed. Yeah. Needs other stuff on the board, for yeah. sure. These are, like, 23 to $25. Uh, I already ordered the two that Atomic had because nice. I am going to try to play Heliod this weekend at a PTQ. And we're getting 23 of them. And, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the price. That's the wrong <laughs> column. Um, I'm going to try to find two more somewhere around here so yeah. that I can PTQ this weekend. Nice. Yeah, it should be fun. What, what was the format for the PTQ? Modern. Modern. Okay, so yeah. you're playing great. Yeah. Very cool. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm pretty pumped to play this deck. It it looks and feels very powerful. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. And especially this early with it, I'm ready to go pick on a PTQ. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I would definitely be there, but instead I'm going to be playing limited. I mean, I have no complaints. About. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous to yeah. be quite honest. I just don't want to go to New Jersey this weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, can't blame me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Heliod's Intervention. X white white for an instant. Choose one. Destroy X target artifacts and or enchantments. Uh, and the other mode is target player gains twice X life. Yeah. Meh. Meh. No, not super exciting. I think it is totally fine to main deck like one of these in a blue white control deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fine sideboard card. If the, you know, a deck featuring enchantment creatures as a part of its strategy is a thing. This is going to... It'll be an, an excellent sideboard card. Yep. Yep. I'm going to pick up one for now. Sure. I don't people, think you spend a lot of slots on these. Yeah. Uh, people really like this card in Limited. Mm-hmm. I hate it. You hate it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, there are a lot of enchantments floating around. Yeah. And a Naturalize is, like, main deckable. Mm-hmm. So people see this card and they're like, oh my god, this is a bomb. Yeah. It's just... Like, I've never killed more than two things with it. Like, sometimes it wins you the game because your opponent is on the enchantment stack or right. whatever. But I, honestly, I would rather have this in my sideboard. Mm-hmm. Or, like, maybe have this be, like, my one naturalize in my deck. Sure. But I'm I'm definitely not freaking out and, like, first picking this like a lot of people seem to want to. Sure. Totally reasonable. Some limited insights. Yeah. Sorry, I can't help myself. No, I totally... <laughs> I do not mind at all. Yeah. Next up, we've got Idyllic Tutor. Two and a white sorcery. Search your library for an enchantment card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So I think it's kind of funny. This is a reprint of... I think this was like a Morning Tide rare or something like that. And it was like a $30 card. Right. Because of casual play. And it's still a $5 card with the reprint. Even though I just don't imagine it seeing any play outside of Commander, maybe? Well, the one place that I could see this seeing play is... Because the Fires deck is so bad when you don't have Fires in play, mm-hmm. and so good oh, when you sure, do have sure. Fires It in does play. curve right into Fires. Yeah, I'm pretty happy to spend my turn three casting mm-hmm. Idyllic Tutor. Yeah, all right, that's fair. I can see it finding a home there. Yeah. You do have to have something else in your deck. 
Maybe it's like your fifth and sixth copy. Exactly. Not, yeah, I'm not going to like jam four of these. No, the deck. no, that seems excessive. Um, and then you probably need like a Vanishing Light or something in your deck or like an Elspeth Conquers Death. So yeah, that yeah, yeah. When you have the fires in play and you draw the Idyllic Tutor, you can go get something. Right. But it's just too expensive to use as a regular magic card. This is still Three's five. A lot. Still five dollars. So I'm not gonna not gonna pick any up. All right, we're good. All right, next up, this is one I'm sure you have many limited insights. Oh, I'm related. Yeah, I can to. talk about this card a lot for that. Uh, this is Sentinel's Eyes. This is white for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has vigilance and has escape. One white. Exile two other cards from your graveyard. Mm-hmm. This card is so frustrating to play against in limited. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it gives your guy vigilance mm-hmm. and bigger. Vigilance, just like slapping vigilance on your biggest dude or a flyer or something is right. so oppressive. You just like, all right, well, you know, I don't have any creatures bigger than this. so And it keeps coming back, so it's yeah. like barely card disadvantage. It's, it, it is more similar to an equipment mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. Um, you can't like switch it around on the on the field like you can with an equipment, mm-hmm. but it's not going away. Yeah, it's just um, two cards from your graveyard, um, and I've learned that the cheaper, like the lower number of the cards on your escape cost, the the just, more powerful it is, kind of regardless of mana cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and like exponentially better because it's yeah. like like. You can cast two this is tw- way better than three. Yeah, way better than three. Yeah, yeah. It's just so much easier to hit multiples of two. Like you right. know, right. you have five cards in your graveyard. You can escape this twice. You can mm-hmm. only escape that one once. You get you know one more is the break point where you get to escape the other one two more times. But you still you still done this three more times or whatever. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, this card's really strong there. Uh, in terms of any like real constructed applications i don't know if there will be any i know zach allen was tweeting about how he was high on a green white like boggles sort of deck in standard okay um i think so there's two pretty powerful green enchantress effects in standard there's the the one three that lets you look at the top three cards of your library and get a land whenever an enchantment enters and then there's satessin champion which draws a card and gets a plus one plus one counter yeah and if there is a deck that actually wants to put auras on its guys in standard, mm-hmm. like this is this, this is, is the, the card. Yeah, this yeah, is the one. For sure. It costs one mana, so it is so cheap to trigger your constellation. Like keeps doing it if they're messing with your stuff. I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence that that deck is gonna be great in this like wrath heavy format. Mm-hmm. But uh, if it is, and I, I think I've left some of the cards off of the list that would be good in a deck like that, because I don't want to keep talking about a possible standard boggles deck but this is sort of the the placeholder for that sure. thing like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. look for cards like this cheap keep coming back get you an advantage immediately and yep. and that would that would be the goal that makes sense next we have shatter the sky this is two white white for a sorcery each player who controls a creature with power four or greater draws a card then destroy all creatures yeah i mean it's it's a four mana wrath with a downside, which is something that we haven't really seen before. Mm-hmm. I think it's still strong enough to see play. Yeah, You're giving your opponent a card some of the time. Mm-hmm. But typically, I think that is a cost that you're willing to pay sure. for a 4-mana Wrath. Because 4-mana Wraths are 
It's so much better. So much better. Than it works yes. against mono red. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. A, a time wipe is, you board out all your time wipes. Yeah. But you're like, especially on the play, pretty happy to have Shadow of the Skies. Mm-hmm. Except against the current mono red deck, because they got some wrath protection in them that we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, I, I think that this is totally fine. That four is a huge difference. Sometimes they'll draw a card, but the the control decks have ways of if you blunt their tempo, you can get card advantage. We have raw card drawing spells like Thirst for Meaning. We have power, yeah. like decent planeswalkers. And you're the control deck. As long yeah. as you're not getting beat down, you'll you figure should, it out. You'll figure out the the value yep. side of things. Yep, should be. I think one thing that's really cute with it is you can get an advantage from that four power or greater draw card thing. Yeah, you can actually make that work for you. Specifically with Gideon Blackblade, mm-hmm. if you were, you know, these. Gideon Blackblade is like the Gideon that least goes into a Shadow of the Sky deck. Yeah. Unless we're doing some weird mid-range thing with it. This is off the wall and probably can't actually work. (laughs) But if you're playing a creature deck with Gideons and also with Heliods in it, like you can sideboard in Shadow of the Skies in like creature matchups. Yeah. And if you have like a Gideon, a creature, and a Heliod... Use Gideon, make your creature indestructible. Heliod is indestructible. You can Wrath, and then you can just attack for a million damage. That turn. That turn. Yeah, I mean, that's strong, for sure. Uh, And that may be a way that those kinds of decks can fight the ramp decks. Yeah. Because a lot of times what happens is you both build up a board, and then they just keep going, and you can't keep going. Right. But that's just, like, a guaranteed, you know, X amount of damage or whatever. Yeah. Like... Probably around 12 damage. Right. So if I were to try to build White Weenie or, you know, whatever this white creature deck is Mm -hmm. in a way that allows me to actually compete in the standard format, I would want to try this, like, Shatter the Sky strategy for the blue-green decks because they're hard otherwise. Yeah. So. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Looks like they're about a buck 50. I'm happy to buy three of those at that. Last for white, we have... Terranika, a Crowan veteran. One white white for a 3-3 Vigilance. Whenever Terranika, a Crowan veteran, attacks, untap another target creature you control. Until end of turn, that creature has base power and toughness 4-4 and gains indestructible. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, strong card in limited, but just not nearly strong enough for me to be looking for a slot in Constructed to fit this card in. Same. The one cute thing about it is because it untaps the creature... Which, honestly, is rarely going to do that much. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it lets it block, but if it's the creature you're turning into a 4-4 <laughs> indestructible, it probably wasn't, like, a huge blocker. Right. But it does untap a Birds of Paradise or other mana dork that you use that turn. Sure. Which well, is kind of cute. It's just... Uh, okay, it's just any target creature. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. For some reason, in my mind, it was attacking creature, but... Um, no, well, it, I guess in limited, that's just like one of the only ways that you can tap things. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so either you could double up on mana with the Birds of Paradise for like two phases worth of spells, mm-hmm. or you can attack with your Birds of Paradise, have it be a four-four untap, and then get your mana sure, in sure. the second main. Yeah. But you know that's not that great. I'm not really interested in doing that in any Birds of Paradise formats. No. Three mana threats like this, I want to be either like standalone, like Gideon Blackblade. Or I want them to be doing something that just, like, makes my board complete nonsense, like Heliod. Yep. So. Makes sense. Not going to bother with these. Next, we got the blue cards. The blue cards. You want to read these out? I'm down. So, first up, we have Ashiok's Erasure. 
This is two blue blue for an enchantment with flash. When Ashiok's Erasure enters the battlefield, exile target spell. Your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card. When Ashiok's Erasure leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to its owner's hand. So it's to its owner's hand, so it's not quite yeah. a spell queller. So you don't right. get like massively tempo blown out if yeah. they get rid of this thing. When I first played with this card, mm-hmm. I actually didn't remember the last line of text, and I played it in a deck with a bunch of the like the pod enchantment things. Oh. So I was like very excited to like counter my opponent's spell and then pod this into a five drop. Mm-hmm. And I think that was still good, but they got the card back and I was sad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this is like, yeah, what was the other white enchantment that um did this similar thing with they the, the fact oh that it's they like can, an ixalan's binding yeah it's like spells. an ixalan's binding counterspell yeah essentially um and it comes with an enchantment that they can interact with i guess yeah i, I don't think that this card is very good i don't think it's great i, I think it could serve some sort of sideboard role because if you catch like an important thing out of them and then you know the the they can't cast the spell with the with the same name was like a perennially underrated part of Ixalan's Binding. Yeah. And a lot of games ended based on like, they got my Chandra and then I just drew another Chandra. Right, yeah. Like, this sucks. <laughs> right, right, right. So maybe like standard becomes homogenized enough to where like, all right, countered your Nissa. Yeah. <laughs> GG <laughs> or whatever. Uh, like I could see that being a thing, but I'm kind of skeptical. Yeah. It also doesn't, like, do the spell queller thing with Teferi because of how it works. Yeah. Like, if you bounce this with your Teferi, they they get the spell back to their hand again. Yeah. Like, they're not trying to cast it. And, and I mean, that's usually better, but it means you don't get to lock them out with your, your Teferi. That would be so sick. Yeah. They would be pretty gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, if they're, like, choked on mana, you can definitely mm-hmm. use Teferi to put a good hurt on what they can do if you, like, play this. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If they're just trying to cast the same, like, five mana spell, and that's, like, the thing that they want to do, right. then, like, you can just, sure. you know, bounce this again, like, pretty much just time walk them right. if you're the one making land drops or whatever. But it is four mana for you, so it's, you're not getting ahead by that much. Right. Unless, right, exactly. Unless, like, you have a planeswalker or mm-hmm. they are missing land drops and you're making them. And, you know, you can't, you also can't just Teferi it forever like (laughs) that's not really how that works yeah teferi teferi only happens every once in a while yes (laughs) generally just not interested in putting four mana counter spells into my deck i don't don't think this card is very good yeah same next up we have glimpse of freedom sorry uh glimpse freedom is a uh one in a blue for an instant it has says draw card it also has escape for two in blue and exile five other cards from your graveyard this card is really good if you don't have any other escape cards mm-hmm. and you are going to end up filling up your graveyard a, a good amount. Yeah. I really love in limited playing like a couple of these or just like having at least one in my deck. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not heavy on escape and this is like one of the only, if not the only blue escape card. Yeah. Oh, think... the, no. The other blue escape card is like mills your opponent. Oh, and okay. there's one that like also ices their creature, but those are unplayable. Those are not nowhere close to constructed viability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, like if you're like a blue control deck and you have no other escape stuff, this is like a fine like late game. Yeah. Drawing multiple cards engine. Outside of that, I I think that I'm I would rather play the blue omen over <laughs> these. If yeah. I'm you know if I am looking for a two mana cantrip. Right, and and like one of the ways that you. One of the things you want to do with cards like this is not cast the front side of it. Yeah. 
And like the main way to discard cards right now in blue kind of grindy decks is thirst for a meaning. And there's going to be discarding enchantments. Yeah. So I, I right. want my early game cantrips to be enchantments. Right. So I still want them in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, this will see play in some builds as a one or two of and do a little bit of work. But five other cards is also a lot. Like some grindy games, you're going to get to exile this twice. I think a lot of games, this is just going to be a worse think twice. Yep. yep. So. Definitely agree. Um, it does a fine think twice impression sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, it's not super exciting. Yep. All right. Next up, <laughs> the bane of every limited player's existence. At least this one's mythic. I'm going to try to have a little bit of a thematic reading of this card. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> have All you right. have you been bested by this card yet? I have not played it against okay. it or had it. That's... I, like I no experience with this card so far. Okay. <laughs> but but here we go. Okay. <laughs> Kiora bests the sea god. Five blue blue for a enchantment saga. All right, chapter one. <laughs> Create an 8-8 blue Kraken creature token with hexproof. Okay. All right, so, you, okay. In limited, seven for an 8-8 hexproof is, like, really good. pretty pretty yeah. good. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm not, we're not even close to done yet with this card, though. All right, so your opponent plays enchantment. They get a 8-8 Kraken with hexproof. That's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> all right, chapter two. <laughs> chapter two. Tap all non-land permanents target opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. Mm -hmm. All of your creatures are tapped, and you don't get to untap them your next turn. <laughs> By the way, I also have an 8-8. Eight, eight. Hit you for eight. Hit you. Hit <laughs> you. Your turn. Okay, all right. Well, they go. They, they can't untap. don't untap their, their creatures. They Maybe they play something. It's not going to be bigger than your 8-8. Mm -hmm. Spoilers. Yep. In limited, it, there's just nothing bigger than the 8-8. But you play something because you have to, otherwise you're dead to the 8-8 that they have. Like, all right, or it just 16s you. Chapter 3. <laughs> <laughs> Gain control of target permanent and opponent controls, and you untap it. Right? <laughs> you wouldn't want to have them be able to, like, tap it somehow. Well, yeah. I guess... I guess you had tapped them down. Right. So we wouldn't want to suffer from that having tapped yeah, them yeah, down. Yeah. So maybe they played something. You <laughs> might steal that thing. But more likely, you gain control of whatever their best thing was that you had iced the turn before. <laughs> also, you want to untap it. Right. Because they, um, they can't play something good the turn before this steals the thing. Right. So. Yeah. In a little bit of context, obviously, this card is ridiculously silly. Yes. Um, I've seen a couple of like screenshots of people's decks and it's just a monocolor deck with one cure best to see card <laughs> as their only blue card which honestly great strategy I totally mean, fine <laughs> totally yep. fine worth it yeah um it, okay so in terms of constructed viability though i don't know if there's a good deck that's gonna run this it's kind of a ramp payoff in a yeah. format that is flush with ramp there's payoffs. just so much to do and honestly i think that most standard decks can just beat this card mm-hmm um, cat just can yeah like right like if you because like they're sacking things and bringing it back they don't care if it's tapped or not right um, and, and and like even though this taps all non-land permanents they control which includes their oven yeah all they do is in response sacrifice cat to the oven mm -hmm. and then when you attack with your kraken they just bring the cat back and chump it yeah so like and then you steal like an oven or something from them and like stop like yeah you got some value out mm -hmm. of it but it didn't just win the game, which right. your, your seven needs to do. Yeah. Very, very silly card. This this is so emblematic of the kind of card that I 
hate the most <laughs> from an R&D perspective because why would you make a card that is literally unbeatable and limited and then just a niche role player and, and just like is not really that playable and constructed yeah. this, this is the worst kind yeah. of card to exist in Magic the Gathering yeah at least the other unbeatable limited bomb in this set yeah. like has been showing up and constructed and has yeah. like real constructed implications. Um, so maybe shouldn't be a rare, but we'll talk yeah, about that. No, at least it's gold. So at least it's gold. You know, pure yeah. best of sea god. It's quite the story. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it just keeps on getting more and more <laughs> as you read it. I, I think it's funny that apparently the story of Kiora versus Thassa mm -hmm. is like. Kiora pretty much just got completely bodied by Thassa all fight long. Yeah. And then she just, like, planes walked away with Thassa's Bident. And that's, like, the whole story. That's it? And then the, like, mythology of it, like, grew over time into this, like, incredible tale of her besting oh, the because she had this Because she had the Bident. She stole the Bident. Yeah. But, but she, like, really lost real bad. Mm. So this story is completely inaccurate. Um, yeah, this card I, sucks. <laughs> I would not fault anybody for picking these up at three bucks. Yeah, like I mean, it's a mythic. Know. Like something crazy could happen with it, mm -hmm. but that's just not like where my ten dollars is going to go to right now. Feel that. All right. Next up, we have another saga. Mm -hmm. It's Metamize Prophecy. So one in a blue for a uh, enchantment saga. Uh, it's got four chapters. Chapter one, uh, Scry two. Chapter two, choose a card name. Chapter three, <laughs> when you cast a spell with the chosen card name for the first time this turn, draw two cards. And chapter four, look at the top of each player's library. Yeah. Four, pretty meaningless. But four, 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 you know, you bobble twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the goal here um, is to get turn this into two mana, scry two, draw two cards. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to do that mm -hmm. in my mind. So, well, Okay. I, I I will say that with my experience with this card, sometimes you either can't set it up to draw two cards or have to kind of bend over backwards a little bit mm -hmm. to draw two cards. But typically that's worth it. If you're casting this on turn two, you're very likely to draw two cards off of it. Mm -hmm. Because you got lots of spells. At least for my limited context. Yeah, you got a lot of spells in hand. You, you've scried two, so generally you're going to have a decent curve from here. Mm -hmm. um, you should have a good mix of lands and spells after scrying two, generally. So then you can just like line it up so that you name your four drop, and then you cast your four drop and drop two yeah. cards. The, um, the like fail case for me, the like real feel-bad moment, is if you have a four drop that you really want to cast on turn four, mm -hmm. like this is a key part of, of Brian Gottlieb's like blue-white mid-range deck okay. that has the Archon in it. You yeah. want to cast that turn four. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have it in your hand, you can't name it. Mm -hmm. So you name whatever like other cheap saga or enchantment or cantrip or whatever you have in your hand because you you know you right. can cast that the next turn. But then you draw it. And then you just draw your four drop on the fourth <laughs> turn. Yeah. And you can't play. You, you got to get those two cards. You, you draw the perfect card for the turn like more often than you think. And you like <laughs> shuffle your hand around for a little bit so your opponent can't see that you just like drew the <laughs> blowout and then you play it. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, the games where you like cut off that avenue from yourself like feel kind of bad. Yeah. But um, overall, like the deal that you're getting when you do draw yeah. two cards off of this right. is, is pretty good. I think in every blue deck that wants a two mana cantripy card... Mm -hmm. That is not a 
counterspell intensive strategy. Right. You got to be more of a tap out deck. You Yeah, you have to be more of a tap out deck. And there are a lot of blue decks that are not that right now. Yeah. So I think that I've seen some blue decks play Metamized Prophecy because I do think it is more powerful than the next card we're talking mm-hmm. talking about, which is the Omen of the Sea. But if you're more counterspell focused, I definitely think that you want the Omen with Flash yep. instead of this Sorcery Speed 2 drop that makes it really awkward to want to hold up spells on your opponent's turn. Right. You cannot hold up a counter spell on your fourth turn right. if you want to do this. Yeah. So, And the prophecy is a little double-edged because when you name a card, your opponent knows what's in your hand. Right. And so, it, I mean, there, I mean, there's some mind games there too because you can name Shatter the Sky with it and then if your opponent just doesn't, then you can yeah. just be like, here's my four-drop creature instead. Sure, right, like, right. give up the draw two cards to, like, tempo them out of the game. But uh, Yeah, I could see that. You know. Th- that's not great for you either. You did spend that it's card. It's two cards. Yeah. You, I, it's two cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do like the fact that there are marginal mind games with this card. Yeah. But you do, most of the time, really lock yourself into that, that card name that you chose. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is cool that we have options for these types of decks. So our next card is, is yep. Omen of the Sea. Yeah, next card is Omen of the Sea. This is the blue Omen. So it's one and a blue for an enchantment with Flash. Uh, when Omen of the Sea enters the battlefield, scry to then draw a card. So it's preordained. Mm-hmm. And then it has the Omen text of two and a blue, sacrifice the Omen of the Sea, and scry two. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, this card just sees so many cards. Yep. It, uh, you know, you see, you can see three cards off of the initial preordained effect. And then you, like, later on when you have excess mana, mm-hmm. you can crack it to scry two again. Or and- if you draw this later in the game and you really need action that turn, yep. you can crack it in response to the enter the battlefield ability. So you scry two, and then you scry two, yep. and then you draw a card. Right, right. So you can really dig deep in this card, yeah. for sure. I like this card a lot. I think <laughs> it's very strong. I think that so, like it will be the cantrip of choice for a lot of these blue decks. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, I mean, so in limited... The, all of the omens are much stronger than they look just because of this, the omen text of, yeah, of enchantment. You can just sack it. Well, yeah. Oh, oh sure. Um, the, the fact that it's an enchantment, it's sitting around, is very, very real for a lot of different kinds of cards. Mm-hmm. There are some cards that want to sacrifice random things for value. Um, there's also the, uh, the four mana enchantment. 3-2 flyer that returns Bounces an enchantment, enchantment every turn. Every turn. Yeah. And, and having an Omen of the Sea and that card is just feels really good. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the ability, especially like in a limited context, to be able to like, the game goes long, mm-hmm. trades off resources, you know, there's a bit of a board stall, you know, or you're racing like a little bit, being able to just, you know, use your mana to scry to and set up your draws is really, really strong. Yep. And that... You know, these effects on permanence, like, there's just ways to use them. Yeah. Discard this to Thirst for Meaning, mm-hmm. or bounce this with your Teferi Time Raveler for, yep. like, lots of value. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yep. So. So, yeah, I like this card a lot. Super useful card. Um, yeah, definitely don't want to underestimate it with Teferi. And, like, that's a real standard synergy that's for sure. very good. Absolutely. All right, next up we have uh, Fossa Deep Dwelling. So this is the... Blue God, legendary enchantment creature God, um, for three and a blue, uh, has indestructible. As long as your devotion to blue is less than five, Thassa is not a creature. At the beginning of your end step, exile up to one other target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your control. Um, so you get to 
flicker stuff at, it's the, a, at the end step. It's a conjurer's closet it's is, a, is it, the five meta ooh. artifact that does the same thing. Nice. <laughs> or it could also be a soul herder-ish. It, it is. <laughs> and and that's the thing yeah. is like, I, I think it took a second for people to catch it. This also has an activated ability. Yeah. Yeah. It's got three and a blue um, tap another target creature and it's a six five. Yep. I think that it took people a second to catch on, but it turns out that Soul Herder is just a super powerful ability, yeah. and in Standard, we're willing to pay four mana for that effect. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if there is a good Standard deck for this, mm-hmm. um, like what kind of ETPs become really relevant to yep. Flicker a lot, but we have plenty. It's I, I think it's really, like, this card is now pre-ordering for like $22, because yeah. um, people caught on oh, that. Yeah. that it does stuff okay um i'm not going to pick any up right now because i, I think that's about where it yeah th- that's about the cap um it's not going to go more than that i, I don't think so mm-hmm. i mean it could it's going to see plenty of casual play too so whatever but if i need these i'll pick them up mm-hmm. uh and i don't think it's like a four of in most decks yeah. either um but you know think about slotting it just straight into a green blue deck yeah like you can blink risen reef cavalier of thorns and agent of treachery all yeah. great flickers. Yeah. Yeah. Asian Retractory, probably the best one. That is, I've had it happen to me. It's not fun. <laughs> it feels really bad. Um, I've also played against like Teamer Elementals with a couple of these in it. Mm-hmm. And they just like put their entire deck into play after a couple of turns and yeah. you, you just die. Right. And then they can start using that tap ability because they have because they have infinite mana 20 mana yeah Mm -hmm. and and that just ends up even though you even if you locked up the board a little bit like they just kill you with that yeah um really impressive so blinking risen wreath omnath uh cavalier just yeah a lot of good targets yeah absolutely um also works with just in a fires deck even in just like a pretty normal cavalier fires deck uh blinking cavalier of gales and Mm -hmm. cavalier of flames is pretty powerful and yeah you know Cavalier of Gales doesn't quite get Thassa turned on by itself, but... But it gets close. gets close. Maybe if you've got, like, Fibblethips in there, too, or something, <laughs> which is great with also, Thassa. All right, okay, now we're talking. Yeah. I'm down for a Fibblethip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thassa's deep dwelling deck. Standard is often defined by creatures with comes into play abilities. Yeah. And Thassa yeah. does this. Really nice with Rogue Refiner. It would be really nice with Rogue Refiner. Rogue Refiner. <laughs> Ban <laughs> list. <laughs> Yikes. No thank you. <laughs> I and I you know, I played a lot of energy. I love that deck, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't want this. All no, right. no thanks. Alright, alright, alright. <laughs> also note that uh the exile is exile up to one target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your control. Mm-hmm. So this does work in combination with threaten effects. Yeah. Uh I don't know if you want to run active treason in standard mm-hmm. but we have seen claim the firstborn see a fair amount of play that's yeah i was going to mention that one um and uh the acroan war is one that we'll we'll mention too love the yeah okay first of all acroan war like up there on unbeatable like rares <laughs> yeah. in, in limited and i have gotten it like fifth pick multiple times that's bizarre it's wild people so like need to do read they the just card. not the read the sagas they're like this one's a lot of text i just won't all their creatures attack you if able and then the, no. all their creatures die okay okay so step one steal their thing yep so you steal something that can trade with another one of their creatures mm-hmm. and then step two they have to attack you no matter what it's a two for one because you're you gonna trade you, you've stolen something that's gonna trade off with one of their other creatures yep and very likely you get to eat a large amount of their board yep um and then, uh, if you didn't eat anything, the last part is that they just 
All right. <laughs> the other guys die. Other guys die. It's just Plaguewinds, <laughs> it's though. It's just Plaguewinds. We do have... I did put that on the list because yeah. I think that it is... All right, well, it has some constructed implications, yeah, but yeah. they're not nearly as far-ranging as its limited implications where it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. complete nonsense. I do think it's all... it Like, given how it is complete nonsense and limited, mm-hmm. it, it must be, like, a little bit of constructive label. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I've definitely like splashed that card in multiple decks with like just a traveler's amulet. Sure. I'm like, right, but easy. I, I this is fifth pick, and I'm blue green, and I'm playing this card. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. but it does work with Thassa, is what you know the original point of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, she does a lot. So I, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to play Thassa decks for the rest of standard, yeah, pick up some Thassas and and do that, and it, have fun, and it'll be great. Yep, agreed. Yeah, next up we've got. Thassa's Intervention. Um, so this is X blue blue for an instant. Uh, choose one. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put up to two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Or counter target spell unless its controller pays twice X. Could you have picked a more perfect like two types of modes to yeah. go on a blue So instant? what do control decks want to do? Let's see. They want to counter spells. But what if your opponent doesn't play any spells on their turn? Oh, but I want to draw cards. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, perfect. Great. Yeah, we'll put both of those on one card, and you get to just, like, have your modal counterspell slash draw two. This is absolutely... This is the most having your cake and eating it too yeah. card that I've, like, ever right. seen. It's not quite Cryptic Command. You don't get both. Right. But... You really get to choose the cake that you're eating, though. Yeah. No, it's... This is, this is very good. Uh, in limited, it's either counterspell, which can be really good, or just like late game, find the best two cards in your deck. Yeah, um, and I mean, this is not just an inspiration, right? Once you're once you've traded resources, and then you're like, all right, Thassa's intervention for five, and then you get to look five deep and take the two best cards. Yeah, like it's getting to dig through time, right? Levels obviously yeah. it doesn't cost two mana, which is why dig through time is so good. But but it's it's similarly powerful in what it does. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think this card is really strong, and I think that blue control decks are going to play a yep. set of these. Any of the non-tap-out versions, I think you're just supposed to have four. Yep. So at a yep. buck fifty, I'm happy to buy four. Yep. Next up, we have a fun one. Yeah, this is definitely a yep. fun one. <laughs> so Thassa's Oracle, uh, blue blue for a merfolk wizard creature. Uh, it's a 1-3. When Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And now here's where things get a little wild. (laughs) If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. You win the game. You win the game? Rest in peace, Laboratory Maniac. Yeah. Thassa's Oracle is the new Laboratory Maniac. Yeah. That no amount of interaction does anything about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have no deck, it still wins. Yeah. Bolt this and it... I'll, because fine. I'll, yeah, zero, zero is <laughs> equal to zero, so I'm in. Yeah, so this card has a lot of constructed implication because of what you're saying. Uh, people love decking themselves. No. This is a good way to win when you do that. So of all the ways that you can deck yourself, uh, and then there's also a couple of new exciting combos in Pioneer. Mm-hmm. The Lotus Field deck has kind of transformed from a like cast omniscience and cast your deck strategy to this weird combo it's with a it's an underworld breach deck. underworld breach where you underworld breach and then you like recur 
hidden strings and you can do that infinitely mm -hmm. and then if you have the enchantment it just mills you for three every time it's chronic flooding chronic flooding it's an enchant land that yeah mills you for three when you tap the land right so it's kind of a three card combo mm -hmm. but you have you also play what's the new there's a lot of new cards in this deck the new enchantment enchant land it taps for an additional green for one and a green. A wolf willow haven yeah. yeah so you don't need your you you can just have that instead of your lotus field mm -hmm. um and it's still mm. i think infinite with uh, hit strings and the the other enchant land right because um, all you need to do is mill your deck and as long as you have like an extra card in your graveyard then right. you can make that card end up being the Thassa's oracle which is the last spell that you cast right you, yeah you just you know need to negotiate your mana a little bit to make sure that it works yeah so right so so that's an interesting combo deck and this is like one of the finishers there mm -hmm. but then you know aside from that new kind of interesting strategy there uh you know just like any of the old yeah, anything Deck that yourself, use Lab Maniac or Jace to do it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is kind of just more reliable and, mm -hmm. and cheaper. Right. Um, it's also, I've seen it in the mono blue devotion decks in Standard that use Nyx Lotus, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about. Okay. Um, but, you know, this is just a blue, blue two drop that gives you, it gives you two devotion and then it really can help you set up to make sure you have the right combination of cards. Yeah. And then because that's a Gadwick deck that just has a billion mana sometimes, sometimes you just Gadwick your whole deck into your hand and then cast a Thassa's Oracle. Sweet. So that's kind of neat. Gadwick. Um, yeah. yeah, mostly this is a win condition for Breach decks, Ad Nauseam decks, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And, and you know, it'll be a one of in those lists. Yeah. So... I will buy one when I build one of those decks. Yeah, you but... don't need two Laboratory Maniacs, no. generally. You just need the one. No, and since I'm not planning on building the Mono Blue deck as of yet, I'm just going to, like, not buy Thassa's Oracle until mm -hmm. later. I think it probably costs, like, more dollars than it should because it's it has those clear applications. Yeah, it's a $4 card. I don't sure. I, I don't need this right now. Yeah, and it'll kind of always be around 2 to 3 bucks. So. Sure. All right, next up we have Thirst for Meaning. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, similar to Thirst for Knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's two to blue for an instant, draw three cards, then discard two cards unless you discard an enchantment card. And they did the thing that they needed to do for this card to be good, which is print a bunch of decent, cheap enchantments that you want to run yeah. in your Thirst for Meaning deck. Yep. Um, you can discard your cheap sagas that we were talking about earlier. You can discard your omens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, a, I think it's a really powerful draw engine. It feels backbreaking when you reach the mid game against a blue white deck and you've been trading resources and then you're just like, okay, I have like a creature in play. I'm going to get in a couple of hits. Hopefully I draw about as well as they draw from here. And then and they then thirst. They just thirst for meaning. And yeah. you're just like, this game's over. Right. Not a lot to say about it mm -hmm. other than that. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. I think it'll find some potential homes. Yep. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the enchantments are good, and then this card draws cards, and at a good rate. So it's totally fine, and we'll probably be playing a lot of them. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Thrix, the Sudden Storm. So this is three blue-blue for a legendary creature, Elemental Giant. Mm -hmm. It's a giant. It's a giant. That's relevant. <laughs> it's got flash, flying, uh, spells you cast with converted mana cost three or greater, cost one. Five or greater. Or, sorry. Spells you cast with converted mana cost five or greater, costs one less to cast, and can't be countered. Um, and it's a four-five. So it's a four-five flying flash for five. 
and it's got some other cool trinket text. Well, I think that trinket text it might be like kind of why you would consider this as a sideboard card. If you're in a counterspell matchup and you're um you know a deck that casts big spells, mm-hmm. then you can use this as a threat. Like flash it in at the end of your turn. You have to counter this, or you're not going to be able to counter my like cavalier or whatever. Yeah, here's my cavalier that now you can't counter because you had to counter this thrix. Yeah, yeah, that's that's reasonable. I could see that being. an interesting play pattern Mm -hmm. i don't think it's going to be a thing you do a lot yeah i don't think it's got a lot of constructed implications Mm -hmm. it's like it's good and limited it's pretty good and limited you know it certainly is uh like this is the one card that you always have on the back of your mind when your opponent passes the turn with with five five mana mana up and blue blue but you can't just stop attacking with your four fours because they have Oh, it's a rare. You can't. Yeah. You're, you're just not allowed to play around it. Right. Really, you know, you jam and then they thrix you, and you hopefully have a combat and trick in you're your hand. Sad, <laughs> right? Yeah, and hopefully you have a combat trick or an instant speed removal spell. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's big, and yeah, I can see what you're saying about like potentially it having some application in some counterspell matchups. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not 100 percent sure what like the standard breakdown looks like at the moment. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anybody really is right now. We've definitely seen some packages that work. But we have not reached, like, here's the tier one of the format. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then last up, we have Whirlwind Denial. So this is two and a blue for an instant. For each spell and ability your opponent controls, counter it unless its controller pays four. Mm-hmm. So it counters Storm stuff. <laughs> it counters Storm stuff. It counters yeah. it, an, an entire Eldrazi all on its own. True. Um, it counters... Hydrid Crisis and Hydrid Crisis Trigger, yeah, um, which I think is going to be one of the more meaningful right. things here. Yeah, you're you'll start if people start playing this card, you'll start seeing like the turn that somebody has infinite mana with Nissa and mm-hmm. a Hydrid Crisis, they're going to leave up four mana for or like yeah. actually more than yeah, yeah. Four, probably four mana for it just to draw the cards yep. or whatever. Yep, uh, through a whirlwind denial. But yeah, I mean, you know, interesting applications is three mana, which is a lot. Uh, it but makes me hesitant. But the fact that it's a four, like unless this controller pays four, this four is, is really first close. Of all, to, different than three. It's a, it's really close to a cancel. Yeah. So, um, you know, it will definitely see play, mm-hmm. and it may even have some applications in older formats just because of the variety of stuff that it interacts with in a way that you might need to. Right. You know, it's not like good against modern storm because modern storm is so low to the ground and stuff yeah but it is better than cancel there yeah certainly uh and it is good against tron like this is a counter spell that actually works against them mm-hmm. yeah. and being able to counter all of and even counters the, their sanctum trigger if they did yeah. that if they really yeah. went for it so right um maybe just a wide enough variety of things that it covers that yeah. that you you spent a slot or two on this, and at least in standard, like the blue control decks needed an answer to Hydra Crisis mm-hmm. pretty badly. So you know, yeah, this I guess qualifies. There's, I, I think there's two ways that you can approach the Hydra Crisis problem with the blue decks in standard right now. Yeah, you can either run something like Whirlwind Denial that stops the Hydra Crisis, uh-huh. or you can dedicate yourself to ending the game. In a reasonable fashion, such that you're not just giving them turn after turn to draw the Hydra Crisis, which draws them four or five cards, and then they just run over yeah. you. Um, and there's there's a couple game enders that you know I think are good to lean towards in, in this standard. So sure, either of those options are like pretty fine. Yeah, I'm in. 
Oh, one bad thing about Thrix, the Sudden Storm, as like an answer to Counterspell decks, is he does happen to be blue. So you might be like, I gotcha, here's my Thrix, you can't cast two Counterspells, and then they just like tap a mana and Mystical Dispute it. Oh, let me tell you, right now, we can cast two Counterspells. Yeah, we can definitely cast two <laughs> Especially Counterspells. Especially on blue cards. On blue cards. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's it for blue. Yep. On to black. On to black. Uh, first card is Agonizing Remorse. This is one in a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it or a card from their graveyard. Exile that card. You lose one life. Um, yeah. It, so it's a two mana thought sees, essentially. Yeah. The um, exile is pretty relevant. Exile is very relevant. I've been pretty happy to have this in my sideboard in my limited strategies. Mm -hmm. I think in sealed, you actually do want to main deck these. That makes sense. Just because it's pretty bomb heavy. But right. generally, I hate discard and limited yeah so because many many limited games get to top deck wars right and this is not you drawing drawing a discard spell when you both are empty-handed is the worst feeling in the world yeah and the other thing that i will say is that this is not thought erasure i don't mm -hmm. think i think thought erasure was really really good because it almost acted like a cantrip helps you make those land drops this i just don't feel like is quite as powerful as that yeah, I and I had a similar feeling at first, but after playing with it, I, I was pretty happy okay. with a couple of copies. Sure. Played a matchup against another, like I was an Elspeth deck, played against another Elspeth deck, mm -hmm. cast Agonizing Remorse, my opponent reveals their hand and it's got an Elspeth in it. And for, in one, for one second, I'm like, shoot, if I take their Elspeth, they can just escape it. Nope. And then I reread my card. I was like, yeah. oh, right. Yeah, no, this card's good against escape cards. Took their Elspeth and then my Elspeth just ran away with the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, like, some matchups it's not very good in. A two-mana discard spell that loses you one life is not where you want to be at if they're beating you down. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, you know, against the blue-white decks, you can take their removal spell or you can take their dream trawler is really nice. Right. I think it is pretty important, and I think it'll see a, a reasonable amount of play. It's a weird sideboard card like most matchups if you're sideboarding a discard spell like you'd rather sideboard duress but i think particularly in decks that don't have blue or really care about the exile mm -hmm. like this is a, a main deckable perfectly acceptable main deckable discard spell yep reasonable i can get behind that yep next we have Ephemia, the cacophony one in a black for a 2-1 legendary enchantment creature harpy Flying, at the beginning of your end step, you may exile an enchantment card from your graveyard if you do create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. I will say that they're really trying to push it on the uh, the type text box. <laughs> yeah, uh, barely fit set, that one in there. Set, there are a lot of cards in here that are just like kind of squeezed in. Um, but yeah, so uh, Ephemia is pretty strong mm -hmm. i i can't really speak to it on a constructed context because i haven't seen any decks that are really built around like you really have to build your deck around doing mm -hmm. it with athemia specifically and there aren't a ton of other like super powerful enablers for this card it feels like it's kind of in the wrong color yeah. i was running it i was playing like a doom foretold shell with athemia in it and okay. the card is good yeah, yeah, the card is good. I'm super happy to have these in the limited because you can build around it and mm -hmm. it just becomes extremely oppressive. Yeah. And it's two mana. It's, it's a two, two mana, two mana. one flyer. Yeah. Like, just vanilla, it's super strong. And then, you know, occasionally you just, like, get free two twos. That's insane. Right. 
yeah, it does kind of feel like it's in the wrong color for it to be really good at this. Like, if it's an enchantment creature that does this and it's white, like, easy to fit that into yeah. some of the, the shells that we've seen. Right. Um, the black decks are not as interested in this stuff. They're not as enchantment heavy. The black sagas... I mean, there is Timurat Calls the Dead, but which, like, meshes with this, but it's worse than stuff like Birth of Melitus or the Blue Omen yeah. and, and, right. and that, that sort of thing. One thing I'd have to find um, or see would be, like, a really good, like, graveyard enabler. Mm-hmm. Just, like, it's stuff that just dumps a bunch of stuff from your deck into your graveyard. Right. Like, dredge style to be excited about a card like this in outside right. of a limited context. And the best that we have for that in standard is Timurit Calls the Dead. Okay. And I, you know, that card does the thing that you want to do, but it's just not quite there on rate. Sure. Um, and I think that that may be the thing that keeps Ephemia from being, like, what it could be. And it's a little, that card is, like, I, I, we might get to that card later, but um, yeah. it's a little spooky to cast. It's so spooky. You didn't put something in your graveyard already? Yeah. Turn three, and you have no, no nothing in your graveyard. God, like, this is the biggest fingers crossed moment ever. I hope my card does the thing. It's not really a place I want to be for no. casting cards in uh, standard. I'm going to pick up Ephemia's, just because I do, mostly I just really like this card. Yeah, I love this card too. Yeah, um, and it's really cheap. So I'll, I'll pick up a set of it, because I think you want minimum three, but probably four in any uh, yeah. deck that plays it. Like, she is legendary. But as long as she is, like, making zombies consistently, she's really powerful. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we find a home for her at some point. I would love to see that. Because it's just two mana. It's, yeah. like, so low investment. Yeah. Next we have Drag to the Underworld. Two black black for an instant. Costs X less to cast where X is your devotion to black. Destroy target creature. That's great. Yeah. If you're, you know, if your deck can play this card mm-hmm. at a reasonable cost, you probably should have this card in your deck. Um, yeah. In in standard, it's not like there's plenty of other much better options in mm-hmm. in pioneer and modern, uh, but I do think that in standard, like if you happen to be some sort of like black devotion strategy, this yeah. card's strong. I, I think so too. There are a lot of decks where like destroy target creature doesn't necessarily do that much. It's fair, um, especially because like you can't really catch like the turn two leaf kindred with this mm-hmm. um which is the main target out of the ramp decks that you want to kill with your your creature removal spell yeah so like in that matchup this isn't doing that much and like the the benefit is certainly that once you're casting it for two it can buy you that tempo that you need to to get through the game but i don't think you can run too many copies of this effect especially because the black the devotion decks are so like synergy based most of your cards do need to be permanents and do need to be contributing to your get on the board, you know, gray merchant them out sort of game plan. Yeah. Um, but you can you can certainly support a couple of copies. Yeah, fair enough. This next one <laughs> I really do think is very important. This is Eat to Extinction. Three and a black for an instant, exile target creature or planeswalker. Look at the top of look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Yeah, so if you need a catch all for creatures and planeswalkers it's a pretty good one it exiles that can be really important yep um this feels kind of like the uh the gain two life two it's a, black black right it's vraska's contempt yeah 
And I screwed up by not just getting those and ended up paying like $10 or $15 for, <laughs> for a couple of them. Tips, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and just buy a set of these at 250 Yeah. Like, it's unlikely that we ever play four of mm-hmm. these at this point. Right. But, and Vraska's Contempt benefited from Torrential Gear Hulk, but it was really important. I don't think Eat to Extinction is as important to this standard as Vraska's Contempt was to that standard, mm-hmm. where there were a lot of kind of singular threats. That, that like, like, yeah, like Rekindling Phoenix. Yeah, Rekindling Phoenix, Glorybringer, <laughs> Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Yeah. Like a lot of like big heavy mana investments right. that you didn't mind trading Four mana for. Four mana for. Um, and we're not quite in that territory here, but, you know, this exile effect means it gets rid of a god that has the devotion turned on. Yeah. Um, the fact that it can target planeswalkers too is pretty important. And I don't want to get caught buying these for $10 if that happens. So sure. I'm just going to buy them. <laughs> yeah. Seems reasonable. Um, next, we have Erebos Bleak Hearted. This is three and a black for a 5-6 indestructible legendary enchantment creature god. As long as your devotion to black is less than five, Erebos isn't a creature. Whenever another creature you control dies, you may pay two life if you do draw a card. One and a black, sacrifice another creature. Target creature gets minus two, minus one until end of turn. This card is very good in food. Yeah. It's uh, one of the better parts of the engine now in these food decks. Okay. Because if you have cat and oven... It's just like a zero mana investment. Yeah, I mean it's it's like a midnight reaper. Yeah. Um, but it's on an indestructible body instead of one that they just like are you know, you cast and they're like, ooh, I'm gonna lava coil that. Yeah. Yeah, and and that uh its activated ability to give a creature minus two minus one until end of turn can be surprisingly relevant a lot of the time. Sure. Um just to you know, winning creature fights or at killing like annoying little utility guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I just think it's a really powerful engine in that in that deck. So sure, um, and you yeah, you even recoup one of your life points from it with the with, cat, with yeah. cat. So yeah, and this also lets you have that sort of engine effect while being in mono black. Like you don't need to be in Jun food necessarily. Like you can just run this in devotion, and and it does its job. Yeah, uh, I don't think you have room for like a ton of these in any given deck, but I think it's like you know. A two of, if you want to build your deck that way. Yeah, reasonable. I don't think it's a requirement in any of the cat decks, though. I think you can choose to go other directions. You can have your value engines be other things, depending on what is in the format and and how you want your cards to match up against them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to play all four Corvolds and, and Trail of Crumbs and stuff, like, maybe you don't want Erebos. Yeah, potentially. I could see that. But I, I from what I've heard, it's it's very impressive in that deck. Okay. So well then at, at six bucks I'll I'll pick I, two. Yeah. I anticipate it becoming stock. Um then I'll I'll pick two up at six dollars and yeah. then you know, we'll see what, what happens from there. Seems reasonable. Next we have Erebos's intervention. This is X and a black for an instant, choose one, target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, you gain X life. Or exile up to twice X target cards from graveyards. This card's cool. I yep. mean, the the gain X life is pretty relevant, I think, on a card like this. And like, if you do want to be playing a card like this, I think it's probably for that gain life text. Yeah, on a removal spell. On your removal spell. Yeah. So like, you know, if there's like a burn-ish 
aggressive deck right you'd probably want to have access to something like this mm-hmm. um outside of this i don't think like i think that you're better off playing the other removal spells that exist yeah yeah and i, I think i'll have to see if if there's at some point where we do want this because of specific metagame concerns mm-hmm. then i'll get them but i don't really want to buy them buy any for a dollar right now when they just might not yeah it's likely not gonna see any play yeah so yep the next one though is <laughs> Gray Merchant of Asphodel. He is hey. back. He is uncommon. Gary. Three black black, two four, zombie. When Gray Merchant of Asphodel enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life or X is your devotion to black. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. Yep. I mean, you know, so back in the day, <laughs> this was the part of uh, the best deck in standard, mono black devotion. You know, when you just like have a bunch of devotion floating around. Uh, and you're drawing multiples of these, you can get really out of control really fast. Yeah. I don't know if it competes anymore. So that is what I was thinking when it, you know, first got spoiled and we saw it and I was thinking about it a lot, and I I wouldn't think that it does. But after seeing it, after seeing the lists, after playing with it and against it, I think it has a solid place, and that's for two reasons. Okay. So I think that... One thing that's really important to note is you can't just play a deck that's a curve of black creatures that ends in Great Merchant of Asphodel. <laughs> because what yeah. that means is when your opponent draws two removal spells, then you have a five mana 2-4 that drains them for two life when they're at 14. Right. That's not good. That's really bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do have card advantage engines available to us that make that problem not that serious. Right. Um, so Grey Merchant used to be best friends with Underworld Connections. Yes. That gives it devotion, sticky devotion, that puts you up cards, that helps you have more devotion, mm-hmm. and then Grey Merchant like gets you life back that you spent on, on Underworld Connections. And let's be honest, that mono black deck, it wasn't a Grey Merchant deck. It was an Underworld it Connections was an deck. Underworld Connections, Thoughtseize, Removal Spells yeah. deck. Yeah, Muta Vault. Yeah. And, then, and then you had other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I mean... I think the light, the very late versions of the deck didn't even run Grey Merchant at the end. Right. So, um, yeah. But people remember this card so much because it's just one of the die. flashy cards right. that it just kills you. So. Yeah. But then, you know, but your opponent's sitting there with a grip full of cards that they drew with Underworld Connections <laughs> and they thought seized you multiple times. You were and... dead to whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could have just beat you down with Mutavolts. So like, it didn't matter. Right. So we do have card advantage engines that are similar mm-hmm. to that. Nothing as like direct as Underworld Connections, but Cat Oven is its own form of card advantage, especially if you team it up with Erebos or Midnight Reaper or whatever. Yeah. Um, Ayara is quite good at, like, if they aim removal spells at your creatures, it's got to be at the Ayara or else you're just drawing cards. And then she, like, helps translate your cat into, you know... If you have oven and cat and other creatures, they remove your other creatures, you get food out of it, and then later you can convert that to cards with Ayara and mm-hmm. the cat. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, and that helps you get enough cards that you have enough devotion that Grey Merchant can kill them. Um, also really, really key, and I think super important to this deck, is Bolus's Citadel. Mm. Um, and Citadeling into Grey Merchant is really powerful, and mm-hmm. whatever your opponent's board is, Right. You can kill them by boluses citadeling into like, oh, here's my citadel, and the top two cards are a Yara into Great Merchant. Like and you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is another card on this list that works particularly well with that strategy, Nightmare Shepherd. 
Mm, Um, And so this, if I've got an oven out and a Nightmare Shepherd and a Grey Merchant, then I get two Grey Merchant triggers. Yeah, very good. Really good. Mm -hmm. So I think that given those synergies... Uh, the fact that you get card advantage, the fact that it's easy to get your devo- keep your devotion high even over a long grindy game, and it also teams up pretty well with Cat and Ayara pings. Even if you don't deal any combat damage to your opponent over the course of a game, and their board is like too big for you to get through, yeah. Great Merchant can kill them given your other life drain. I think it has a place, and I did not think it would be good enough, mm-hmm. but I, I believe but, yeah, that it will be as like a combo piece with Citadel. I can totally see it. Yeah. Um, being worth there i think citadel is so huge and like it's probably gonna probably gonna be correct to have it as a three of in these black decks sure it's just the best thing fair enough um next we have a little cute one (laughs) yeah i like this little guy yeah this is hateful eidolon one black for a one two lifelink enchantment creature spirit uh whenever an enchanted creature dies draw a card for each aura you controlled that was attached to it yeah so the 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 trick is, the joke is that you put a dead weight or the minus three, minus three aura onto their guy, and then you draw a card. Oh, let me tell you, it's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this card, that that deck is very real in, in Limited. <laughs> yeah. If you, you, I'm not picking Hateful Eidolons up, like, early and <laughs> excited about it, but if I have um, any number of Myers Grasps, <laughs> every black deck that I play will have a Mogus' Favor in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that card is way stronger than people think it is. That's the escape. Uh, pl- yeah. Plus two, plus minus one. Plus two, minus one. Mm-hmm. Uh, escape enchantment aura with escape for just two cards, mm-hmm. which is nice, and three mana. That card is super strong to have access to mm-hmm. one of in, in limited. That makes sense. Um, and with Hateful Eidolon, when you're pinging down your opponent's creatures you with that, cards each you draw time. a card every single time. Yeah. So... So I love picking up like a wheeled hateful Eidolon because mm-hmm. people don't like this card and jamming it in my deck with like a couple like the and the other one that's really good is uh, inevitable death inevitable end okay which is a two and a black for um, enchanted creature gains at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice a creature ah uh, gotcha so it's just another yeah it's another aura that aura will... that you put on your opponent's creature and then it dies yeah that makes sense so it's just a really good draw engine with those cards but particularly. You can find ways of utilizing your Mogus' favor, and when you're drawing extra cards every time, mm-hmm. um, it just becomes a very, very powerful engine with this card. Yeah. As far as constructed goes, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I did play against a green-black Enchantress deck mm-hmm. that this was part of the like glue that seemed to hold it together. Sure. Um, it was kind of a metagame thing because it did have a bunch of Myers grasps in a constructed deck, which is not yeah. necessarily where you want to be. But if that card is good. Then making it into a, a removal spell that draws you a card a lot of the time off mm-hmm. of Hateful Eidolon or Nessian Wanderer or Satessan Champion. Yep. Like having all three of those effects in your deck mm-hmm. made it very consistent at doing the thing that it was doing. Right. Um, and Hateful Eidolon also happens to be a one mana enchantment that can trigger your other constellation stuff. True. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of binds that sort of thing together. Mm-hmm. If that is something you want to be doing, then then this card is pretty cool for that. Yep. But it's certainly not widely applicable or super powerful <laughs> yeah right 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 yeah i mean it's definitely a build around card and i i'm not gonna lie it make sure you read this card carefully because when i first read it i read it wrong i thought it was whenever an enchanted creature you control dies draw mm-hmm. a card for each aura attached to it it's the other way around whenever an enchanted <laughs> creature dies that anybody controls 
draw a card for each aura you control. For all of your auras. That was attached to it. Right. So, yeah. You gotta read this one carefully to make sure you understand what it does. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, it also, in that green-black deck, it was also kind of, quote-unquote, protecting the good creatures in the deck because there would be like a Satessan champion and then they put the plus one plus oh draw a card aura on it yeah and then if you used removal spell on the champion then you get to draw a card from that so, yeah 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 so next up we've got Meyer triton one in a black for a two one zombie merfolk with death touch and when it enters the battlefield put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard and you gain two life yeah very fond of this creature as well. Mm-hmm. It's just another key enabler in the uh, black escape decks. Yep. And having Death um, Touch makes it a real body unlimited. Oh, this card is... And you gain two life. Yeah. When I had to read this card multiple times, I was like, you get all of these things yeah. for two mana? So two on Death Touch for two. Mm-hmm. G- great. Okay. But then it just does exactly what you want your black deck to do, which is gain a little life and... Uh, feel your yourself. escape stuff. Yeah, feel your escape stuff. Um, very strong. Yeah. But pretty low powered for constructed. Yeah, not I'm not gonna play it in constructed. The only reason that it is on this list mm-hmm. is that the black two drops are so bad. <laughs> okay. Unbelievably bad. Yeah. And so you can play Timurit and Yarex Fenlurker and they do give you that extra pip of devotion, mm-hmm. but boy do they just not contribute. They just don't do a thing. Yeah. Um, and so if you have more graveyard stuff going on, if you have like cat and something else, I could see justifying this as your two drop just because the competition is weak sure. at that slot. But I, you know, I've had people cast it against me and I've been like, okay, they spent a card on it and they got like 0.8 of a card out of it. Sure. And for given the options that they had, <laughs> like that was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the days of the the black black two three death touch lifelink are right are a little over. And you know that's not even like <laughs> that good. It's just like yeah. we don't get better than that for two drops in black. Yeah, black just doesn't have two good two drop features. Argyle's bloodfast is is really like what. what okay, we want. all right, that's, there we go. That's yeah, what yeah. we would put into our devotion deck if we could yeah. do it. Right, fair enough. Um, next up, we've got Meyer's Grasp. One in a black, enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature gets minus three, minus three. Not super powerful, sorcery speed, but kills like some indestructible stuff if that's relevant. Yeah. Has some, has some, you know, anything that says enchantment on it has some level of like that might be relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, blue black with thirst for meaning or whatever. It's a real good answer to the new Fleece Main Lion. It is a real good answer to the new Fleece Main Lion, but um, but I don't know if that card. I didn't even playable. I didn't there, even so. put it on the list because okay, okay. I don't think yeah, it makes no, it. It's, it's not because <laughs> it's no yeah, Fleece Main it's Lion. It's certainly not a Fleece Main Lion. <laughs> um, next we have a much more exciting card. Mm-hmm. This is Nightmare Shepherd, two and two black for a four four flying. Uh, it's an enchantment creature, demon. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a cop- create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's 1-1 one, one, and it's a nightmare in addition to its other types. If your creatures, mostly their power and toughness doesn't matter, this card is just wild. Yeah, um, very good. It's very good in the mono black devotion decks. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to kill this one. This right. is the if you have a removal spell, it's gonna kill this. It has to be aimed at this. If you have a removal spell in your hand that does not kill this and only kills their other stuff, that's rough. It feels useless. Yeah, yeah. Card's very good. Pretty cool with cat. Get a bunch of one ones. Oh no no! You have to exile the creature. Oh, you have to exile. The so creature. it does not quite work with cat. Oh, bummer. Um, yeah. Okay. 
I mean, thank God, honestly. <laughs> Can it, you imagine? It would be an absolute, like, I mean, it says nightmare on the card, but <laughs> it, it would be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Okay. If that's what it did. All right. Never mind. But I do think that this is the the preeminent four drop mm-hmm. in the mono black deck. Um, yep. It works so well with oven and your other stuff. It works so well with cat. Like you get two sacrifices from Mayara mm-hmm. on any particular goofy creature that you're sacrificing. And it's an existential threat to your, your game state. <laughs> you have to kill this the turn they cast it or you're yep. going to lose to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go pick up a playset because I want to be able to register mono black at a tournament if I need to. And they're, you know, they're expensive for a rare. They're they're five bucks, mm-hmm. but I, I think that it is extremely good. And and it's nice that they're, this doesn't automatically do something the turn it comes into play. Yeah. You can make it do something, but it's nice that they've like kind of pushed something that's a little closer to like a Bane Slayer Angel on the spectrum of things rather than a Muldrifter. Yeah, 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 for sure makes sense next we've got omen of the dead this is one black for an enchantment with flash when omen of the dead enters the battlefield return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand two and a black sacrifice omen of the dead scry two the only reason i have this on the list is because it's very cool with cavalier of dawn oh sure because cavalier of dawn returns yeah when it dies you return an artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to your hand and when it enters the battlefield you destroy target non-land permanent and then its controller gets a three three golem so whichever one of these you have in play like you have an omen of the dead in play you play cavalier kill it get a three three when the cavalier dies you get the omen back get the cavalier back cast it make another three three very fun yeah um unfortunately i don't think this actually works out because the cavalier decks are kind of like doom foretold decks that just end up with a bunch of enchantments in them naturally and not very many creatures and then having a raised dead in your deck is not strong at that point yeah yeah yeah. so i'm not sure that the deck construction actually allows this to happen but i do really want to make cavalier of dawn omen of the dead work at some point that's just the kind of grinding that i'm i'm into that's fair Um, yeah yeah i've seen a lot of this card just because I kind of want one in all my black decks, but I'll never take it over anything. No. Because you'll end up with one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Side note, Cavalier of Dawn is better than it's ever been. Ooh. Uh, It just, like, there's a lot of, like, problems that it solves Mm -hmm. really nicely. Okay. Um, And a lot of times, just, like, casting it and killing a Planeswalker, and you're like, oh, yeah, that that felt really good. Right? Okay. I can get behind that. Next is Farika's Libation. Uh, not a super powerful card, but does something we ain't never seen before. Which is? Two and a black, instant, choose one, target opponent sacrifices a creature, or target opponent sacrifices an enchantment. So black right. can kill an enchantment now if you're willing to pay a little bit of a premium for it. And Boo, we're breaking the color pie. Well, this is a, a apparently a an intentional shift and in that black okay. will have some ways to address enchantments sure. from here on out. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's new. Uh, I don't think this card's very good. I don't think so either, but it does a thing. There are some decks that will not have good ways to answer gods, especially not gods that aren't turned on. Mm -hmm. So if they're playing a Thassa that just never turns into a creature and you want an answer to it and you're not in colors with exile target enchantment effects, you know, this could do it. Yeah. But that's pretty narrow and it's three mana and at least it's an instant, but it's not a great card. Fair enough. 
Um, um, yeah, I, I don't even like those in limited. I, I just ignore them. I think the it's I think it's significantly better in constructed than limited. Like edicts yeah, yeah. in general are better in constructed yeah, than yeah, in limited yeah, for sure because the creatures matter. Yeah, exactly. They don't just have nonsense <laughs> satyr tokens lying around or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Next, we have treacherous blessing two and a black for an enchantment. When treacherous blessing enters the battlefield, draw three cards. Whenever you cast a spell, you lose one life. When Treacherous Blessing becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. Mm-hmm. So kind of new take on like the Painful Truths kind of card. Yeah. You got to get this off the battlefield. Cleanest way is with Doom Foretold. That feels nice. Yeah. But there's a couple of ways of sacrificing enchantments. And if it gets targeted with anything, it's funny. You can target this with a Heliod trigger. Really? Because Heliod puts a plus one, plus one counter on target creature or enchantment. Whoa, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Heliod just does everything. Heliod does it all, man. My favorite new Heliod fact is that Heliod is just uh, Doomblade on a stick for Death Shadow. Oh, God. Because <laughs> you can just give your opponent's Death Shadow lifelink. <laughs> and then block it with whatever, and then... Or or not. Or not. just, you know... <clears throat> Just take, t- I'll take eight, but you're, you're back up to 13 God, and your guy's dead. That's really funny, actually. <laughs> oh, I hope I do that this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's my new favorite Heliod fact, courtesy of Casey Lancaster. That is delightful. Yeah. Um, as far as Treacherous Blessing goes. Yeah. Uh, I think this has a place. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, it's, <laughs> it's funny when I see this, it's a, it's a red black card because it only works in red, black and limited because re- red can sacrifice enchantments. It has more stuff that does that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the main ways in constructed to do it are with doom foretold and also with final payment, white, black, destroy target creature as an additional cost, pay five life or sacrifice a creature or an enchantment. So that, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I've played that with it a little bit and it's been fine. I've also seen Treacherous Blessing as like a two of in uh, food decks because mm-hmm. Korvold can sacrifice it. And, yeah, you know, it gets you to your Korvold. Right, right. So I, I don't hate it as like a two of in that sort of deck. Yeah. I mean, it does feel a lot like Painful Truths mm-hmm. and that card is pretty good. Yep. You do have to bend over backwards a little bit to in like deck construction, but yep. if you know, if if you already have those tools, yep. It, I think it's a good thing to fit in. If it happens to match up with the thing, then yeah, I think it, it ends up being pretty powerful. So, uh and if you have like a way of targeting it that is not costing you a card, then that could also work yep. as well. Um you cannot this is one of the few like value enchantment things that you cannot to ferry back to your hand that that is yeah. not the solution here <laughs> right um, and, uh, it just goes away i mean if you really need to get off the board i guess you can ferry minus it but oof. i mean if you're dying to it then <laughs> you probably you get do it. need to do that right I, I went ahead and picked up a set there's 75 mm-hmm. cents there's some decks that do just want like four of these whether those decks are good who knows right um It'd be nice to have around it may be time to play Doom Foretold at some point in the future, but maybe Cat just keeps that from ever happening. So, yeah. Next, we have Timurit Calls the Dead. Two and a black for a saga. Chapters one and two are both put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Then you may exile a creature or enchantment card from your graveyard. If you do, create a 2 2 black zombie creature token. Three is you gain X life and scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. So, yeah, we were kind of alluding to this earlier, but this card is kind of spooky to cast it's, on turn three. Oh, my God. Because if you... So you mill three, and if you brick on an enchantment or a creature, which is possible, you have a bunch of lands in your deck, mm-hmm. 
um, you, you don't get any value. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's really... Yeah. I just... I will cast anything on turn three over a naked Timurai Calls the Dead. Yeah. I'll, I'll do just whatever. Right. Because if this misses, it feels atrocious. Yeah. And, and maybe you're putting this card in your deck as, like, an additional, like, mill enabler. As a mill enabler. But it's very um, mana intensive compared to... Like, what yeah. you actually want to be paying for six cards, you know? Yeah, you want right. to be paying closer to two mana. Yeah, ideally. I mean, we don't have that in standard, mm -hmm. you know? This is the best this yeah. is the best we got in standard. Right, right. We're definitely not filling up our graveyards that quickly yeah. these days. Generally, I think this is not a very powerful card. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bad at the thing that it's trying to do. Yeah. But the thing that it's trying to do is something that's really necessary there's a lot of work you can do with having dumped some cards into your graveyard right. so i'm willing to pick up a set of these like kind of on speculation you know it's 60 cents or whatever so i, I don't mind yeah it, it has felt just a little anemic like oh my god i can't believe i spent three mana for this <laughs> and that may just be how it goes forever yeah yeah, yeah. i this card was interesting for me in a limited context because it started off like really high up there on my rankings. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is like the new history of history Benalia. Of Benalia. <laughs> like we're really doing it. This is like the saga card that yeah. gives you a bunch of value. It's not, not close to history no, of Benalia. Absolutely um, not. So yeah, I like, I'm, I'm very happy to have one in my deck because part of, so when you're playing a black deck, you want two pieces. Mm -hmm. You want cards that mill you, and you want escape cards. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. That's the that's the secret. <laughs> that's the strategy. So draft in black. <laughs> and this is a this is a very good mill enabler. Yeah. So. Um, and because our mill enablers are so few and far between, right? You know, this may just be what you need, especially in standard, but maybe even in pioneer. Honestly, like right. we keep stretching and, and like kind of wanting more, but once you get past. Stitcher Supplier, Gather the Pack, Grizzly Salvage. You're just done. Yeah. So, you know, could be necessary. Maybe. Next we have Timurit, Chosen from Death. Black, black for a 2x legendary enchantment creature demigod. Its toughness is equal to your devotion to black. And it has one and a black. Exile up to two target cards from graveyards. You gain one life for each creature card exiled this way. This card is not constructed quality. No. Like, maybe you have to run a couple in your Devotion decks because, again, there just aren't options at two. Mm -hmm. But it just, every time my opponent plays it against me on turn two, it just, I don't, I just don't care even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel that as well. I think it is better than people think it is in Limited. Mm -hmm. I, well, I actually, people have a really high opinion of this in Limited. So mm -hmm. I guess that's not technically true but i do think it's good and limited. yeah stopping it, your opponent from ever escaping yeah is like, your opponent can never escape you get to eat their entire graveyard very frequently you gain a lot of life with right. this card um i've definitely like crawled back from like board states that i could like never win from just because i was like ooh, a temperate right. and i have a bunch of black mana yeah here's my two five that, <laughs> yeah here's like, my two five that is gonna gain me like six life right now and right uh and i can stabilize so but um, like most of that doesn't not, really not matter. Excited about it in constructed, right. like just like that does the game doesn't end up at a spot where you're like, all right, it gets to gain a bunch of life here, and, and that'll save me from your <laughs> from your hydrid crisis. <laughs> yeah, from your hydrid crisis <laughs> that drew you a million cards. Yeah, no, it's um, not even gonna save you from your their runaway steamkin. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
and their Torbrand and Bonecrusher Giant or whatever, you're right. still just gonna die. So yeah, um, not, this card's this card is better than Daxos in limited. Mm-hmm. Daxos is another card that people have like pretty high up there in limited, and Daxos is like like very almost fine. very replacement level mm-hmm. almost worse than your other two drops like in white hard to cast for not a great reason would rather have the like the two drop hero mm-hmm. like the two two for one in a sure. white that like targets triggers plus one plus oh your team it's yeah. like better than, <laughs> than attack yeah well that card is good so most of the time well it it's part of your the pieces that you're looking for right. in your white decks so. yeah definitely um, or white red specifically but, yeah. yeah so yeah timurit like we're just playing because we have to but mm-hmm. boy like i i want to jump ship on that card as soon as possible <laughs> yeah um last in black we have woe strider two and a black for a three two horror when woe strider enters the battlefield create a zero one white goat creature token sacrifice another creature scry one escape three black black exile four other cards from your graveyard and it escapes with two plus one plus one counters on it so we've talked about this card before. Free sacrifice outlet, additional body, comes back from the graveyard. Just like it's really strong, but I I think I was probably higher on it before than I am now. Mm-hmm. I mean it's, don't get me wrong, it's like really good and limited. But it's <laughs> it's almost replacement level in terms of your escape cards. It exiles mm-hmm. four cards to four get is back. A lot. Four is a lot. Mm-hmm. I want like three to four escape cards in my like good escape decks yeah uh, which isn't a lot and you'll you'll get that many and like ooh, one of them's a woe strider i'll be excited about that but mm-hmm. it's not like yeah you know. right right not not better than like the uncommon that like kills a creature when you escape it or whatever like oh yeah no that one is the best one by yeah, a lot, a lot. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that card's yeah, unreal yeah. um yeah and that one, you only exile three cards. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I don't understand that card, honestly. <laughs> it's yeah, it's really good. But, I mean, so the things that World Starter has going for it is that it comes with a creature and it has a free, like, no mana cost sack outlet. Right. And so. the free no mana cost, the no mana cost sack outlet is much more relevant yeah. to constructed play. Right, right. That's what we're really play. playing it for. It works very well with Nightmare Shepherd, just, like, having a sacrifice outlet on board to get immediate stuff out of it even if your opponent has the removal spell you know this goes it's like extra ovens basically to help you yeah whether you're gray merchanting them again or like getting another lazatep reaver or whatever uh then it, it just helps that game plan along pretty well mm-hmm. the goat is like very rarely relevant but hey, i keeps, sack the goat immediately keeps, every oh, time everybody does that <laughs> yeah, goat yeah. does not stay in that play. goat is a uh, scry one <laughs> this card might as well just read when it enters the battlefield scry one pretty much but you know when yeah. you're in a blood artist format or, oh, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. No, zoo for sure. cutthroat for sure. that, that certainly becomes much more relevant mm-hmm. um so pretty easy for me to pick up a set of these at at a buck fifty yeah, I think it's not quite as unreal as just, like, the raw amount of text on the card would kind of make you think. Yeah. But it does perform an important role. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For sure. <gasps> Red it's, cards. It's the Akroan War. The Akroan War. Yeah, you love this one. Why don't you read yeah, it? Yeah, I already told the story. Yeah, I'm going to tell did. it again. <laughs> we probably don't right. quite need to go over the whole thing, but... So, okay. So, the Akroan War. Yeah. Three and a red for a three-chapter enchantment saga. Uh, chapter one. Gain control of target creature for as long as a crone war remains on the battlefield. Chapter 2. Until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able. And chapter 3. 
each tapped creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. This card's yep. very silly and limited. Unreal limited bomb, and sure. I, I still don't understand how I've gotten it like fifth pick <laughs> multiple times. That's happened to me more than it's once where bizarre. I'm just drafting. I'm just like drafting a black green deck. And then there and then like fifth pick and pack like two or whatever, it's the Acroan War. <laughs> and I'm like, Ex- excuse me. <laughs> and I take it and I splash it and it and I three easily three oh or whatever. But yeah. um Yeah, come on. Come yeah. on. Read the card. It's so good. And I think that in any matchup that is going to play out similarly to a limited game, mm-hmm. in which like you both have creatures and are battling each other. Right. Like if like you can want this in your sideboard for that kind of matchup being right. constructed. Yeah, potentially. I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, if your opponent has, like, plays multiple creatures that can trade with each other, mm-hmm. it's just a two for one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess you don't even need creatures on your own. If you, they play a 4-4 four, four into a 4-4 four, four, and you just, like, make them fight each other. Right. Yeah, you steal one and then, you know, you get to, like, sit back and they can't attack and then they have to attack the next turn and yeah. then you trade them off or whatever. Um, and like, you know, they, they really just have to have a enchantment rule spell for the Ukraine war, yeah. which, and enchantment rule spell is really good against the Ukraine war. It mm-hmm. cleans up everything because, um, it undoes the first chapter. Yeah. You get your creature back when the Ukraine war leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, that's pretty good, but yeah, yeah I mean, this card is just, uh, really strong in, you know, it's a, it's a bomb and limited and, but it, as far as constructed goes, Right. It, Maybe it has some application. Yeah, I think it has some application in helping you deal with creatures, probably out of the sideboard. You know, I'm picking up two mm-hmm. because it, it seems like that sort of card that maybe doesn't do anything, but I think is better than, like, you would think for Constructed on just, like, yeah. glancing over the card. Right. Like, there's going to be boards where you cast your Crown War, your opponent's like, oh, no. Yeah, I have to attack? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that second chapter is... Yeah, very strong. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so next up we have uh, Annex Hardened in the Forge. So this is one red red for a star three legendary enchantment creature demigod. Annex's power is equal to your devotion to red. Whenever Annex or another non-token creature you control dies, create a 1-1 red satyr creature token with this creature can't block. If the creature had power four or greater, uh, create two of those tokens instead. Honestly, I thought this card was pretty good, and I didn't even realize it made two satyrs if the creature was big. The first couple of times that I played against this card, mm-hmm. uh, I actually thought it was symmetrical for, like, if any creature died. Because <laughs> I didn't expect there to be two satyr tokens when I, like, <laughs> uh, like traded off with one of their creatures. I see. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's only for their creatures, but if their creature has power four or more, they get two tokens. Yeah. Well, only for Annex's controller. Cre- if you control annex, you get the your creatures die and right. you get the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's only yeah, it's only one sided in that yeah. way. It took me a second for this one, but um, but yeah, I mean this card is really strong. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Evan about it a lot, and he thinks this is just like the end all be all of like red and in, in in limited. It's just like the best thing that you can do, mm-hmm. and it's very good. Um, but the satyr tokens can't block, and that is really relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty difficult to convert these satyr tokens into value yeah and too much value mm-hmm. you really have to go out of your way to like be playing a deck that has like some sort of anthem effects well can i interest you yeah in the anthem effect named torbran 
Poor Bran. Who makes your red satyr tokens deal two extra damage. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Also helps your annex have just infinite power. Right. Um, yeah, I think annex just kind of works in the mono red deck. When Torbrand dies, you only get one token, though. I know, because he has fake four power. <laughs> he has fake four power. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, when that sounds great. When your 4-4 Steamkin dies, though, you get two tokens. There you go. I didn't really realize like exactly what this card did mm-hmm. and my mono red opponent cast it against me and i was like oh they're playing some, they're playing the you know three mana limited uncommon in red mm-hmm. and then i looked at my hand with a wrath and i was like oh wait i'm just dead no this card is very good yeah 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 it's uh yeah it's it's a little tough to evaluate and i'm like a little skeptical of it just because uh it's on the down swing for me i still think it's very strong Mm -hmm. but i used to think this card was much stronger than it was and i'm a little more realistic about it yeah but uh but yeah it's really strong and then like in the back to limited for a second in the limited (laughs) archetypes specifically boros where you have a bunch of things that um, pump your team pump your whole team that's when these tokens get really out of control because you end up with like six of them yeah you you do end up with a lot and and that's why i think that probably you do in the mono red decks that are running annex i think torbrand is a really good choice because maximizing what those tokens can do Mm -hmm. turning them into effectively three ones like really puts the screws to your opponent yeah yeah for sure so i I think this card is pretty good in the red decks Mm -hmm. um next up we have blood aspirant so this is one in a red for a satyr berserker creature um to one one Whenever you sacrifice a permanent, put a plus one plus one counter on Blood Aspirant, and then it has one in a red, and tap it and sacrifice a creature or enchantment. Blood Aspirant deals one damage to target creature. That creature can't block this turn. I just never want to underestimate the whenever you sacrifice a permanent <laughs> trigger again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, who knew that Mayhem Devil was actually just insane? Right. I guess yeah. probably like Sam Black did. And then like <laughs> it happened to people and then they're like, oh God, that card is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think this card is probably better in constructed than it is in limited mm-hmm. if it's even good in constructed i'm not sure if you want this kind of thing you got to play it with cat oven right you got to play it with cat oven and then maybe it's a big dude but i just don't think that i think that your deck just doesn't care about having a big dude you already have that in corval right so i don't think you play it in jun food mm-hmm. uh, i have seen like a black red sacrifice aggro deck okay that runs this and sure, slaughter sure. priest of mogus as its two drops ah. um so like the black red sacrifice deck yeah okay and it, it's leaning more towards like i'm gonna kill you rather yeah, yeah, yeah. than getting all this value out of my stuff sure um and and i think that's fine and if the metagame shakes out to a place where like in particular if people aren't running much in the way of early removal spells mm-hmm. because they are pretty bad against stuff like jund food or whatever yeah um and so it's just like i just don't want these like shocks and situational doom blades and stuff in my deck then blood aspirant and slaughter priest of mogus will be capable of dealing a ton of damage right right so could be a thing maybe um but it, mm-hmm. it requires some pretty specific yeah. circumstances yeah for sure um this card's not good in limited yeah i tried it just doesn't work it sucks okay yeah good to know <laughs> yeah i will not use it then um yeah i mean like maybe there's like a good like you end up with the perfect like red black sacrifice deck mm-hmm. and then and then you have a blood aspirant that can get big or whatever sure. But just not what you want. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Tried it. It's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, next up we have Escape Velocity. This is a single red enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus O, and has haste. Has escape for one and a red, and exile two other cards from your graveyard. The only reason that I put this on the list is that in the like Pioneer Jeskai Ascendancy deck, hmm. you want ways to give Emery haste that are like easy. And maybe sure. maximize velocity is a better way of doing that out of your graveyard. Mm-hmm. But this not costing you a card in order to do that Could is really real. nice because like with Jeskai Ascendancy, you don't want to go down cards yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're cycling. Although that's less of a concern in Pioneer because you do have the delve spells so you go back up cards really easily sure so you know maybe that one use case for escape velocity really isn't the thing and i'm not super excited about this in like you know heroic or aura decks or whatever so no this is the like this is in the what's the word it's like all the colors have the same kind of card a cycle oh my goodness collins Chris, give me right. <laughs> this is in the cycle of the uh, like the cheap enchantments mm-hmm. that uh, you only need to exile two cards for. Yep. But it's by far the worst one. Yep. I've never played with this, this card. It's not good. I've never wanted it. It's not good. Um, I don't know why they made this one so bad. The white and the black ones are great, mm-hmm. and I want one in all of my black and white decks. Mm-hmm. I've never, never played this card and never wanted. Why can't it even give the toughness? Why? Why is plus one plus one? It can't be plus one plus one. Like, well, that'd be too good. I, I think. Guess. I think that would be way. Like, I would love this card if it, if if this card was just the white one, but with like haste instead of vigilance. Okay, it would just be so insane. But hmm. interesting. Toughness matters. Just matters so much. Toughness like, it does makes, matter. A it ton. makes the difference between trading and not. And yep. And that's limited. Yeah, that's limited, that's true. baby. <laughs> Next up. Yeah, next up we have Ox of Agonis. So we talked about this card a little bit before. So this is the three red red four two ox creature. When Ox of Agonis enters the battlefield, discard your hand, then draw three cards. And it has escape red red exile eight other cards from your graveyard. So yeah, I mean, this is like the the fun new dredge card that everybody's talking about. Sodek said play three. So, okay, you know, I've got... My Dredge deck that I like to keep updated just in case there's any reason to play Dredge. Looks like you're picking up three Ox of Agonis. Just going to pick up three. Right. So, so deck is a smart man. Okay. Initially, I was like, wow, this is going to break Dredge. Mm-hmm. It's good in Dredge. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at now. It's good in it, but it doesn't <laughs> fix the opening hand yeah, explosiveness yeah, yeah. problem right. that, that the Faithless Looting ban really brought to the forefront. Yep. I think we've talked a lot about this card. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I, I do think it has some other places. Like... If we get a discard outlet kind of thing in standard that is better than what we've got, mm-hmm. you know, like if if we had the tools to make standard Arclight Phoenix a thing again, sure. this would be great in that deck. Because sure. a lot of times what you do is you dump a bunch of cards into your graveyard. And then you're out of stuff. Right. And the only you're not using your graveyard for anything except for the phoenixes. Mm. And the rest of the stuff is like... Well, I have one beacon bolt in there, and mm-hmm. then like, and it does. I don't care if they're exiled or in my graveyard for crackling Drake, so I might as well exile them. Yeah, this really lets you use that resource. That's cool. We just don't have the tools though. Without Charter Course and the fact that like, actually, like a huge thing, a huge problem for the deck is that without Charter Course, we're so low on sorceries that Finale of Promise is just like kind of bad. Because because you can't you can't get two spells off of it anymore. Sure, yep. and that 
was the reason that the deck like kind of had a renaissance is like oh shoot we can just play four finale of promise <laughs> and always trigger our phoenix for four mana yeah, yeah yeah and we you just can't do that anymore because everything is an instant now right and so we really just basically need charter course back in order for it to become like kind of a thing yeah and if we had charter course and then add ox of Agonis into the mix then i'd be really interested in in checking out like what it can do okay it's a card bad that the new the new draw spell that they gave us is an enchantment <laughs> yes that does not work for arclight phoenix that's a bummer yes <laughs> yeah poor arclight phoenix but you know ox has enough power locked away in it that it can do stuff in more than just dredge yeah yep that's fair also limited bomb De- definitely a limited bomb just a five mana four two draw three just, that... it's just the last spell you cast yep and you draw three more cards great we did it <laughs> success right <laughs> uh next up we have phoenix of ash so this is one red red for a phoenix two two flying haste it has two and a red phoenix of ash gets plus two plus O oh until end of turn so you can pump it mm-hmm. which is nice and it has escape for two red red exile three other cards from your graveyard Phoenix of Ash escapes with a plus one, plus one counter on it. I believe if a red deck is good, this card goes into it. Yeah, this card's really good. It's super annoying to play against. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't even have any like downside text of like attacks each turn if able. No, you can block with it. You can it. block with it. It's a really good blocker. Yeah. Like I, I actually found myself having these on defense more often than not just because mm-hmm. um, you that- get to just like threaten to trade for their five toughness creature or four toughness creature. That was always my favorite thing with Arclight Phoenix was blocking with it. Yeah. Because then you're trading for cards. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Phoenix of Ash, really good. I, can't, I don't know if there are any good decks for it right now. Like maybe Mono Red. Yeah. Um, but the, mo- the Mono Red yeah. deck is okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's quite... And maybe it's just like not built with exactly the right threats for the format. The lists that I've seen that seem closest play no burn spells yeah they're just all creatures light of the stage and ember cleave right. and this fits pretty nicely into that i mean you're not putting burn spells into your deck to escape with but if they're not killing your guys they're dead yeah so it's an ember cleave aggro deck that yeah. is one color right. and like this is a, a pretty good card in that kind of deck yeah absolutely all that checks out so at a buck 50 i'm just gonna pick up a set so that i can continue building whatever red deck exists in standard also it's a phoenix i would be so disappointed you if know you didn't pick up yeah i got i got a little bit of a brand here i do love <laughs> all of this any constructed playable phoenix i'm kind of all over yep. so yep i know that um all right next up we have perforos bronze blooded so this is four in a red for a legendary enchantment creature god Got the god text, indestructible. Uh, your devotion to red needs to be five if for it to be a creature. It says other creatures you control have haste, and it has an activated ability, two in a red. You may put a red creature card or an artifact creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Kind of like a little, like, through the breachy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. what's the legacy one called? Uh, sneak attack. Sneak attack-ish card kind of neat yeah maybe there's some like cool applications for it we've already talked about how it fits pretty well in fires if you want to do that you can yeah. also play it with the big dragon dracuseth dracuseth there's also a like theme pack or planeswalker deck or some some other thing dragon that is technically standard legal but you'll never see unless 
you specifically buy it on TCG Player. Yeah. That is like a six mana, five, five, and whenever it attacks, your creatures gain double strike until end of turn. Hello. So that may actually be the best thing, one of the best things to through the breach into play okay. with a Perforos. Wow. Um, ultimately, thinking about it and like looking at the cards we have available, I feel like just Fires of Invention with Cavaliers just mm-hmm. ends up being a better deck than yep. whatever goofy stuff you're doing with this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking as well, is that it's probably just a little too cute. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, huge gonna in the game, no matter what cards that you can play. Yeah. Um, that I think that you would really need to play. Like, there's no, like, Emrakul or whatever that we're sneaking in. Right. Not hugely excited about this in standard. Like, maybe I'll have to do, a, like, a, a Scryfall search for Pioneer to see if there's anything that we're missing. Right. But And even if you are, like, turning on the Devotion... It feels much less like you're cheating. Like when you turn on Heliod's Devotion and he's a 5 5 indestructible for three. That's very that's good. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. This well, is a five mana a six seven. Five seven, mana six. Seven six. Like, yeah, that's bigger than you would get for five mana, but not like it's cheating. Not, yeah, it's not insane. Yeah, for sure. Also, this card is unplayable and limited. <laughs> not good. Okay. <laughs> unplayable. Just atrocious. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Too bad. As much as I would love to play a deck where this card is good and have that deck be good. Mm-hmm. I'm just not optimistic enough to pick any of these up. Yep. So there's a chance that it's great and spikes to like $20 or something. And I'll be sad because that will be the deck that I want to play in standard, yep. but I'll, I'm going to hold off for now. I'm not going to spend 30 bucks on this. Yep. I, it, it is. I will not spend 30 bucks on a play set of it is what sure. I'm saying. It's yeah. not a $30 card oh, for no. those listening at home. Absolutely not. All right. Next up, we have an interesting one. So this is Storm Herald. Tuna Red for a 3-2 Human Shaman with Haste. When Storm Herald enters the battlefield, return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control. Exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras would leave the battlefield, exile them instead of putting them anywhere else. I really don't want you reanimating are your these, auras Are these aura going times. anywhere else? No, they are just exile. exiled. Exiled. They must be assuming... That, like, we found a way to get Eldrazi Conscription onto the Storm Herald. Like, that's the only reason I can see <laughs> right, why we're right, just right. really not allowed to reanimate them multiple times. Yeah, yeah. That if that card is going anywhere else. Your library? Uh-uh. Oh, Exile. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. So that's kind of interesting. It's like a cool new effect. He's got haste, so you're, like, even if you have no board presence, you've got, like, at least him to put things on. You load them all up onto there. Yeah, just a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. It feels pretty impossible to use, yeah. given what we have access to. We, well, I have so many questions. No idea. How are we putting things in our graveyard? No clue. What deck are we playing that has a bunch of auras that gets to do this? Couldn't tell you. I think yeah? <laughs> this is mostly on the list as like a speculative, like, keep an eye on this. Yeah. Because the thing it does is not limited by mana cost. It's not, right. you know, right. and it has haste. So, like, if you have a way... Like, if there ends up being some one or two mana spell printed that mm-hmm. dumps Eldrazi Conscriptions into your graveyard somehow. Yeah. And you cast this on turn like three. from your deck, hopefully. Yeah, from your deck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If there, if we can, like, in, you know, if we if we don't have any other uses for Entomb or it's an enchantment-specific right. Entomb. Right, we need an enchantment-specific Entomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you attack we're gonna be with Eldrazi right. Conscription on turn three, mm-hmm. that should beat most stuff. Yeah. That's a ton of damage. How much- how much does it uh, 
sacrifice. For so it's only annihilator two, annihilator but two. it's also plus ten plus ten in trample. So yeah, that's, a lot. that's a lot of damage. I guess the ideal would be getting two onto there. Well, if we're doing this early enough, mm-hmm. if you get two lands, lands out of here. Yeah, that's pretty game. If over. you get two lands, you got and it. And then you still have the three power, the three, right. two, six round. We just don't have any way to enable this right now. Is Eldrassi's Conscription legendary? No, it is not. All right. I'm imagining a little magical Christmas <laughs> land. I, yeah. Turn one, Faithless Ludic. <laughs> nope. Oh, no. Too powerful Shoot. for any reasonable format. All right. Turn two, Cathartic Reunion, pitching <laughs> two Eldrazi conscriptions. All right, we did it. Okay. Phew. Draw in two Storm Herald. Um, it is not a legendary enchantment. It is a tribal enchantment. Ooh. Wait, is there anything, is there any, like, creature, spe- like, tribe-specific? Oh, in two and Eldrazi? <laughs> no, we don't. I don't <laughs> think we have any of that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Bummer. All right, well, rest, All right. rest in peace, Stormhold. The next, We've talked about you enough. The next Storm card has some much clearer application. <laughs> yeah. Storm's Wrath is a two red red sorcery. Storm's Wrath deals four damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Yeah, kills um, planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, or this at least card, injures them. This card is pretty great. I've never played with it mm-hmm. because... None of the red decks in Limited want this card. this card. No way. It's kind of sad because you see this card just like tabling. tabling. <laughs> like, and it's so strong. Like, and if there's any like kind of controly deck that was dabbling in a little bit of red, they would want this. But so, it's double red. But it's double red. Yeah. Maybe there's a home. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some red deck in Standard or yeah. something that if you want to wrath the board, you can do that. That's kind of that's yeah. kind of it for Storm's Wrath. Yeah. Definitely is nice to have a wrath that hits planeswalkers. We don't have very many of those, so very cool. Like we will see what happens with this. I did. I have already played against it. I was playing against. You know, there's plenty of these simic ramp decks that splash red for various things. Right. My opponent played a risen reef, and I killed it. And I had. A, I was playing like an enchantment sort of theme deck basically like an abzan doom for toll deck with lots of enchantment stuff so i had a nessian herald and i killed their risen reef and then i played a satessan champion so i have two good enchantress kind of creatures out and then my risen reef opponent just storms wraths me <laughs> whoops and i just <laughs> I, I was hanging out with lee <laughs> and we looked at each other yeah that game was very over at that point fair enough so, yeah not expecting that nope i was not 75 cents i mean unlikely that we'll ever play four of these in anything yeah um especially given that it's red but you know like this is an option if you're playing fires of invention this is a good fires storm's wrath turn yeah uh you get there like to fairy or whatever too like it does a lot of decent stuff. So yeah. at 75 cents, I'll just pick up a set. And and honestly, this card seems pretty exciting for Pioneer because there are mm. some red decks that are mid-range control decks yeah. right now. So yeah, I, maybe I could see it. I mean, right. You're, you're like choosing between Anger of the Gods and, and Storm's Wrath. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Anger is probably like... A, probably more what you want. Because we do have those graveyard mm-hmm. decks. Right? We have yeah, Prize yeah, Amalgam yeah. decks to, to deal with right now. Right. But if Planeswalkers become a thing, that is more... Although you've got Glorybringers and stuff to deal with those. But things can match up in a way that that's the wrath that you want, for sure. All right, next up we have Tectonic Giant. Mm-hmm. So this is two red red for a Elemental Giant 
when tectonic giant attacks or becomes the target of a spell or an ability an opponent controls choose one tectonic giant deals three damage to each opponent or exile the top two cards of your library choose one of them until the end of your next turn you may play that card (laughs) odd card yeah very odd card we were trying to figure out if it was good and limited or not. It's really good and limited. Seems really good and limited. Um, I can't imagine it's good anywhere else. I don't think that it's great and constructed. The one place that I've seen it is like a giant, Anaya Giants theme deck kind of. Okay. Uh, Anaya Giants. We've so got you Giant got, Wrath. You got, right, exactly. So you got Bonecrusher Giant, mm-hmm. Giant Wrath. You've got this guy and probably like one or two Giants that I'm just not thinking of. Ooh, are we playing the, uh, the, the Flash... Or no, we're Naya. No, we're, the, we're like Naya, yeah. The, um, the Flash 4, four 5. There's Beanstalk Giant, too. Okay. And I guess, like, well, all right. So Realm Cloak Giant isn't really an adventure that works with Lucky Clover. So you're probably not a Lucky Clover deck, but Bone Crusher. Oh, we're Wrathen twice. Yeah. <laughs> if they Everything weren't dead before, they're probably still not dead now. <laughs> but, you know, in that deck here, Realm Cloak Giant is just straight up Plague Wind. Unless yep. they're running giants, but you know, it's, it's like it was kind of cute looking. Um, I played against a red deck that had Tectonic Giant in it. I didn't happen to have answers in my hand that like worked against it, and it just like started attacking, and I just started dying. Mm. Uh, I think that if it becomes playable, then the format adjusts to like not let it be good anymore. Right. It's not good against Banishing Light. It's not good against Wrath. Right. right. So I, I don't think that this is a card that you really want. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so next up we have the exciting one. The exciting one. Underworld Breach. Yes. So this is one and a red for an enchantment. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. At the beginning of the end step, sacrifice Underworld Breach. I mean, this card's insane. I've seen it in Pioneer and in Legacy... I haven't quite seen it in uh, in modern. modern yet, but I'm sure I just haven't looked hard enough. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of it in modern. The Mox Opal ban, I think, hit the modern breach deck mm. pretty hard. Yeah, that's like fair. before it was even right. a thing. Yeah, yeah, because just so easy. That to would build be the best em- card to to use with this. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It just you can have eight moxes in your deck if, mm-hmm. as long as you have ways to turn amber on and then it's just like pretty easy to yeah. to go from there with grinding station we do still have like some zeros the problem is that the zeros that you have are not great yeah uh like you could bobble which is like you know you're happy right. to play four of those in any combo deck yeah but, but they're um, not like enabling you the way they were when you had mox opal to turn on with bobble yeah exactly exactly so so I'm, maybe something's there, but... I'm confident somebody will figure out a way. Yeah. Modern's card pool is large enough. That right. Right. The key to this card, when you're building a combo deck with it, mm-hmm. which I believe is the correct way to play it, I don't... Yeah. I think basically any Underworld Breach deck wants to be built such that the turn you cast Underworld Breach is the last turn of the game. <laughs> right. The key to Breach is making sure that part of your combo mills you three cards each time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Chronic Flooding... Whenever Enchanted Land becomes tapped, mill three. Grinding Station, every time you cast an artifact, you then get to sacrifice that artifact to mill yourself for three. Legacy, spectacularly impressive with Brain Freeze, just Brain Freeze, Lion's Eye Diamond, and this just wins. That's it. You're done. Game over. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen some spectacular turns with the the new Storm deck in Legacy where... Like, there was a guy who got force-willed, like, 
three times in a turn and just didn't matter <laughs> one yeah god uh, yeah no i saw somebody I, I don't remember who it was somebody posted on twitter the pioneer breach deck mm-hmm. where uh his opponent played rest in peace <laughs> yeah then played unmoored ego to get his lotus fields right and then he just won the next turn <laughs> he just love it bounced the rest in peace untapped uh had a brawl in play, which mm. is a build that I hadn't seen before, but okay, like certainly can give some some backup stuff and is very good to let you hold up counter magic and things like that. Sure. Um. So then, hidden strings only cost one mana. Untap two lands, and I think he didn't have a chronic flooding, but had some other way to mill himself. And then once he hit a chronic flooding, it just was the combo. Right. So. Uh, probably should have named on a world breach. Probably should have named or or hidden strings maybe. Yeah. Because I think even without underworld breach, you can hidden strings into a ton of mana and find a way to do stuff. Sure. So I don't know exactly what the right name is. You know, somebody who plays the deck will will tell me before it becomes yeah. a thing that I need to know for a tournament. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this card rules. Um, it's yeah, just it's really good. We're gonna see it popping up, and you know, it's one of those combo cards that's hard to build a deck around. Mm-hmm. Um, people are still working on them. Yeah, but I'm excited for what they come up with. So I'll hold off for now. I mean, they're seven dollars, which is about as high as a rare. That's not like a casual thing to mm-hmm. can get. Yeah, when I the, it, I could see it being a long term mm-hmm. investment. Like they like if if they're gonna become like a pioneer staple, sure, and a modern staple. And a legacy staple, like maybe they hit, yeah, ten bucks or whatever. But right. it's not, it's not a good. Whatever underworld breach deck becomes good, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to buy forty cards for it anyways. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah. place that order when it comes down to it. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> deal. And like once the set is becoming heavily drafted, I bet that for at least a period of time, rares like underworld breach mm-hmm. that have specific application, even all, across multiple formats, but they're rares and they do this one thing. I think that once it's heavily drafted, the card goes down to like $3 or so for yeah. at least a while and then picks back up okay, again once I can the, see that. the set is done. Yeah, definitely. So that was it for the red cards. <gasps> All right. Getting through this. All right. We're almost there. All right. <laughs> kind of. Well. Um, first green card is Destiny Spinner. Mm-hmm. One in a green for a 2-3 enchantment creature human. Creature and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. Three and a green, target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn, where X is the number of enchantments you control. It's still a land. Magic Twitter lost their minds about this card when did they, it was spoiled. Did they really? Yeah, they they were so mad about power creep in green and just like how green gets a two drop with so many abilities at uncommon and they were comparing it to like the white Eidolon that makes Planeswalker abilities cost one more, which is like a 2-1 and like kind of niche. And so, I don't know. It was a very confusing set of things. Like this card is like... Wait, Chris, you're telling me that Magic Twitter got angry about something? <laughs> it was about some nonsense? <laughs> about some nonsense. Yeah. This card is like fine. Yeah, this card is fine. I will say that in limited as a blue player, mm-hmm. this card is really frustrating to play against <laughs> because the blue decks in limited have counter spells, mm-hmm. and they're because like one of the better or not better cards, but like one of the parts of your blue deck is that you have a three mana counter spell that exiles something, right? Counter so, a creature or enchantment, yeah, exile it, and then your opponent just plays a Destiny Spinner, and they're they're like playing black green escape. And so you really need your counter spells. You're <laughs> leaning on it to interact with their escape cards. Exile it does nothing. And then they just they're just like, all right, turn two, destiny spinner, and you're 
like two of the cards in your hand are bricks <laughs> it's so sad <laughs> in terms of constructed playability yeah eh. nah maybe I, maybe maybe there's like this super counter heavy control deck that you want to sideboard these in against yeah i mean i do feel like if your opponent is on flash and you're playing like a kind of clunky enchantment deck that is vulnerable to that sort of thing mm-hmm. like this is a fine way of getting in under that and, sure. and then they don't have a lot of play against you anymore right so i think in that specific scenario uh that is where this card is applicable yeah and and i would actually be pretty excited to be able to, if if flash is a major deck in the format and my deck is vulnerable to it yeah i'd be pretty excited to be able to do this against them sure but the the activated ability of it Oh, that's I don't I don't really care about that. Sometimes yep. in like long games, it lets you get a lethal attack a turn earlier or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, I was pretty excited about it at first in limited, mm-hmm. but the creature's like at most a three three. Yeah. Sometimes it's a four four, and you're excited. Yeah. Be spent four mana for it's just never as good as you think it is. I've I've had a turn in constructed where I attacked with two eight eight lands with this thing, and it felt pretty good. All I'm right. Not gonna lie. Okay. But most of the time, you were doing it. Most of the time, that's not it. Right. But because I was running a very enchantment heavy deck, mm-hmm. and the for some reason there was a period where the the queue was just like all flash decks, and I was like, I'm just gonna put these destiny spinners in my deck, <laughs> yeah. and it was great. Fair enough. Next. Is a banger of a card. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this. Dryad of the Elysium Grove. Two to green, two four, enchantment creature nymph. You may pay an ad- play an additional land on each of your turns. Lands you control are every basic land type in addition to their other types. So, yeah. I mean, people started playing this in Amulet Titan. Yep. Uh, you just get to play Valakuts. You, you just get to put Valakuts in your deck and, and have that be a way of winning. Mm-hmm. Can I toot my own horn a little bit when we you saw this it. card and i said this is gonna make the titan decks converge into yeah 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 i mean you were totally right and but let me tell you amulet players will try anything and everything <laughs> because a amulet players love their deck and b they love feeling really smart yep. playing the new technology this is true so it's just, just destiny there's no guarantee that this and valakuts are actually the thing that are supposed to be in the amulet decks of course right but I mean, I it seems to be strong, and yeah. they're playing it right now, and it's they're having success with it. So yep. it's probably going to stick around. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that probably that fact that that exists mm-hmm. like kind of outmodes Valakut, yeah, almost as an archetype. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, Amulet is vulnerable to some other stuff, and there's also a skill gap that can't actually be ignored. Where that's that's true. People aren't going to be able to pilot amulet well enough and if you want to play titans without putting in an exorbitant amount of hours mm-hmm. into it then there are other titan decks that you can play yeah so i think those other titan decks will always exist but, yeah this yeah. is really true and, but and I, I do think that they're all worse than amulet yeah and i i kind of have felt that way for a while just why but but that that skill gap is not a non thing and if you're not able to put in the time or you're just not able to you know you keep trying amulet and it's just not for you mm-hmm. like that's fine yeah and it and you still want to play primeval titan because it's the easily the it's the only six mana spell you can play in modern look some people like casting big green creatures and, and it's the best it's big green fine creature. <laughs> it yeah, wins yeah, yeah. it's great <laughs> right so yeah definitely and i think dryad is going to be good in multiple different titan decks that mm-hmm. will kind of meld into the, yeah. the one titan deck um as far as standard goes it has the enchantment creature type or it has mm-hmm. the enchantment permanent type yeah it actually goes pretty well in some of these enchantment decks 
because uh, we will talk about uh, Nessian Wanderer, which is the two mana one three oh, that yeah, yeah. constellation gets you a land from your top three cards. Mm-hmm. So your hand can end up like really full of lands. Being able to play an extra one each turn actually like lets you leverage that and like spend that mana on stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has the enchantment type, so it triggers the Wanderer, triggers your Satessan Champion. Um, you know the mana build the like making your lands add whatever color is not that relevant usually um except for it is possible to play this in nissa decks Mm -hmm. and that turns all of your lands into i was gonna mention that if you didn't yeah yeah uh pretty cool in nissa yeah so i I don't hate it there also not bad with experimental frenzy yeah that's on my list of things to try i have Mm -hmm. not quite like gotten a list together that that looks like what i want it to be because yeah. i don't know what else goes into it yeah yeah i mean you have those two cards and then and then what else are we doing wolf like, willow <laughs> haven you want nissas i assume i guess because it's a big mana flare and that's good with your family and friends right but i don't know yeah there's there's something but i don't sure. i don't know exactly what cards to do it with um yeah dried is very good it is definitely i feel like it's kind of at the peak of its hype right now yeah for you know an 11 dollar rare that's like i agree quite a bit yeah so, so you can hold off on picking those up i'm sure i will next we have the first eroan games this is a saga for two and a green uh chapter one create a one one white human soldier creature token chapter two put three plus one plus one counters on target creature you control Chapter 3, if you control a creature with power 4 or greater, draw 2 cards. And Chapter 4, create a gold token, which you can sacrifice for a mana of any color. That's, you know, that's that's a flavor thing. Yeah. But I'm kind of frustrated that it doesn't tell you what a gold token is on this card. I mean, how could it possibly fit that on this card? <laughs> well, half, like, half of the entire card is art, so yeah. maybe, but... No, that art, that's perfect. That's how sagas have to be. Yeah, I get it. It's pretty sweet art, too. Yeah. Yeah, this card is uh, really strong, mm-hmm. but also like surprisingly easily disrupted. Yeah, I think like I'm I'm definitely on like one end of the side of variance on like experience. But every time I cast this card, you put your counters onto the token and then they kill the token. They yeah, they just like remove in response whatever I'm targeting with mm-hmm. my plus three three plus one plus one counters, and then yeah. I don't get to draw the cards. And then every time my opponent has cast it, I've been able to do the same thing. And I don't think that that's, like, accurate to mm-hmm. how often that's going to happen. I think that this card is, like, clearly very strong and, you know, clearly a bomb and it's going to work most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just every time yeah. I, it has been involved in a game that I am involved in, it just gets really screwed up in some way. I think for constructed purposes, you do need to be building your deck in a way to provide like backup plans yeah, to yeah, yeah. when that happens. Mm-hmm. What I really like the idea of is like, and these have kind of died down for a little bit, but they can certainly come back if they get better cards and the format goes to a place where they are good. The like the blue green stompy decks in Pioneer, where you have elves and Lovestruck Beast and Steel Leaf Champion and stuff. If you have backup creatures with power four or greater that make it more likely that you have something in play to allow you to draw two cards that is good um this creates a one one for love struck beasts uh if you whatever creature you do have in play you put those plus one plus one counters on it and it's like it gets haste kind of uh you know if you had a love struck beast in play untap with that on your chapter two and then you just attack with your eight eight love struck beast like that might be what you are trying to do there uh and it's just like pretty good to lanowar elves out 
because on turn two, you play it, so you have your Llanowar Elves and your 1-1. One, one. And then in order to keep you from getting those counters, they have to have a removal spell that could kill your Llanowar Elves there. Yeah. And then wait for the chapter two to happen and like kill the guy that you target in response. Right. And then you still get your Llanowar Elves for that turn. Sure. Um, so like, I don't think this is an incredible card, mm-hmm. but it, it tries to be a three mana four for a draw two cards. Yeah. And when that happens, it's really good. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that pretty much encapsulates my thoughts on it. Yeah. If you can ever really like get there on the card, it's yep. a lot of value. Yeah. So, and then you get a gold token. <laughs> and then you get a gold token. So they are a quarter. So I'll just go ahead and buy a set because yeah. there's just no no reason not to really. Might as well have them. Uh, next up is Mystic Repeal. One green instant. Put target enchantment on the bottom of its owner's library. Really clean. Really efficient. Yep. Beautiful sideboard card. I'll main deck these in limited. Sure. Um, and maybe we get to that point in Constructed. Uh, yeah. Probably not. There's a lot of enchantments, but yeah, I don't yeah. think that many. A lot of the enchantment decks, the enchantments are not ones that you want to hit with a one-for-one removal spell. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hit the Birth of Melodis with a one-for-one removal spell. Or right. you don't want to hit Omen of the Sea with a removal spell. Right. But you do want to hit any god that your opponent is playing with Mystic Reveal. Yeah, and that is, I think, one of the better applications for mystic appeal is that if the gods are going to be prevalent yep. and need to be answered this, this does is, it yeah this will, this will do it one mana yeah Boop. clean easy god on the bottom like you actually blew your opponent out anytime you hit a four mana god with this spell yes so yeah or or even heliod even heliod Just, well because they were probably relying on that yeah that I mean, game so <laughs> you know so yep yeah. does the job it's good easy mm-hmm um, next, we have Nessian Wanderer. One in the green for a 1-3 creature satyr scout. Constellation, whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a land card from among them and put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. It's good. I mean, it draws you a lot of lands. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, you know, enough enchantments, you're just going to be hitting all your land drops. And yeah. that is really powerful. It tends to put way more lands into your hand than you can play. Right. Which is why I have But sometimes liked... that feels great because I like keep like a two lander or something mm-hmm. and I'm like, ooh, I have this Nessian Wanderer. I'm oh, man. good. <laughs> yeah. Any hand that has Nessian Wanderer, two lands, and an enchantment you can cast, like feels so good. Because even mm-hmm. like I- I've been playing this in, in Constructed and it rarely dies on yeah. turn two. Yeah. It's a one three. Yeah. And so then you cast your Birth of Melitus or Omen of the Sea or whatever, and right. then you're just good on mana <laughs> for the rest of the game. Right. It definitely falls off as the game goes on, mm-hmm. and you're just getting more lands. If you can figure out a thing to do with those lands, whether that is having extra land drops from Dryad of the Elysian Grove or discarding them to something that we don't really get anymore because we don't really get draw discard that much anymore... But if you had a way to make use of those lands, that could be really good. Um, I was playing it in an Abzan Doomfortold deck, just as like a two-mana card that gives me some value, and then I'm happy to sacrifice it to Doomfortold. And it was like really good there. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I like this card. It's yeah. cute. I think it's, it's not... good. I think it's like a role player in those decks. Yeah. So uh, It doesn't probably doesn't really fit in like the aggressively slanted Constellation decks, because mm-hmm. it's a two-mana 1-3 that gets yeah, yeah, weird yeah. card advantage. Right. But um, it's like that I'm trying to grind you out, like yeah, and like a bunch I will of enchantress have things cards. to do with my mana, so I would like to hit land drops like seven and eight. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, next we have Nylea Keen-Eyed. This is three and a green for a five-six legendary enchantment creature god, indestructible. As long as your devotion to green is less than five, it's not a creature. Creature spells you cast cost one less to cast. Two to green, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it into your graveyard. This one's kind of just fine. Yeah. I'm not actually super excited. Creature spells you cast one, like cost one less to cast is not as good because this card is four mana. Mm -hmm. And then you have to spend three mana to maybe draw a card. Yeah, but you do kind of get the, you get a surveil out of it. Sure. If it's not a creature. Right. So, like, th that ability is better than versions of that ability yeah. we've seen before. Right. Ultimately, I think this is a, an okay card. Yeah. But the bar for, like, green mana sink payoffs is just so high. Yeah. That we just don't need I'm, this yeah, in a Hydrant Crisis world. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably where I'm at for that. Um. Yeah. Not much else to say about it. It's like a yeah, it's like a mana sink mm -hmm. payoff for green that is sometimes a medium sized indestructible creature. Yeah, Meh. people will find some use for it, but sure. I don't think it'll be heavily played. Mm -hmm. Like the green bar is just so high. Yeah. Um, next we have Nyx Bloom Agent. Woo! Four green, green, green for a five five enchantment creature elemental trample. If you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much of that mana instead. That's quite the mana flare. <laughs> yes. And it stacks in ways that like most types of things like this don't oh, stack. Oh, yeah. If you have two, every land adds nine to your mana pool. <laughs> Goodness. Perhaps the Timmiest card. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you ever really want to just like play a thing, cross your fingers. Yep. Untap with it. Yep. And do it. <laughs> this is the card for you. It's It's sweet. Yeah, um, it seems redundant in a world where Nissa exists. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I don't think this is going to see any play, really. No, probably not. But it is very cool. I assume that it's like a very expensive. I'm just I have no desire to buy any of these. I assume it's very expensive. Yeah, it's fifteen dollars. It's fifteen dollars. Wow, I feel better about rare drafting some of these. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if it maintains that price online because mm. that's definitely an EDH price. Okay, sure. Yeah. But I'm sure it's worth a couple of ticks. Eh. Yeah. I've mostly just been selling everything I get, and I've been, like, pleasantly surprised about how many tickets I've been getting, so. Standard cards are worth so much! Yeah, yeah. And I want to sell them all right now, because I'm sure that's going down. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And especially anytime you open a standard legal card that is good in an eternal format. Mm -hmm. If it's, like, a mythic, that's just a guaranteed, like, 40 ticks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Heliod, just infinite ticks. We had one draft that we did, um, I think on stream yesterday, mm -hmm. and uh, I was drafting black-green um, escape stuff, and I had no fixing, but I rare-drafted two of the red-black escape card. The, the mythic one? The, yeah, the mythic one. Yeah. Apparently, they're like nine tickets. Oh, my God. So, I like I like took them over like good, like important playables in my deck. <laughs> and I got two of them. Yeah, it's just a free draft. <laughs> this is a free draft. with 3 would anyways. It's yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah. have been crushing it lately in draft. Yeah, it's been, yeah we're doing it. I've, I drafted a lot. I have like eight trophies now. Solid. It's fine. Well, let's let's get two more at the Pro Tour. That's <laughs> two more trophies. Yep. That's, that's easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i do feel pretty cozy in this draft format right now I'm, I'm at the point right now where i am this is a big tangent but uh 
I'm just like forcing the colors that I don't like just to see how the archetypes feel. Mm-hmm. Blue is unplayable. Really? I think blue is worse than white. Interesting. Like, everybody hates white. Yeah, everybody hates white. And I've been like trying out a lot of white. Some of it's fine. I think the Boros deck is good mm-hmm. if you know how to build it. And But sometimes you just like your, your bad green black decks can still trophy. Mm-hmm. Your bad white decks can't win a match can't win a single match Mm -hmm. so anyways yeah yeah that's a bummer yeah one thing i've learned though through all my limited testing is that the next next card that we're talking about is (laughs) unplayable it's not good (laughs) it's unplayable (laughs) all right this is (laughs) omen of the hunt two and a green enchantment flash when it enters the battlefield you may search your library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffle your library two and a green sacrifice omen of the hunt scry two so here's the problem with this card, is yes. that there are a lot of other commons in the set that do this much better. For two mana. For two mana. So yeah. there's the dry, there's the carrioted, mm-hmm. which, stellar card. Unreal. Just taps yeah. for two mana. It just taps for two mana <laughs> all very frequently. Um, does the same thing as this card. And then also there's the uncommon enchantment. Wolf Willow Haven. Also two mana. Yeah. I've never wanted any omens in my deck. Yeah, and I think that, like, mostly is true for constructed too. Like yeah. even if you're like, ooh, enchantment. Like mm-hmm. Wolf Willow Haven is just an enchantment. Yeah, play the play the Havens. Not only costs two, but like costs one on a lot of turns. Mm-hmm. Um and is just quite good. Omen of the Hunt fixes your mana a little bit. The only time that I think you could want Omen of the Hunt is for the deck with the blue green enchantment, mm-hmm. Enigmatic Incarnation. Cause you do need enchantments with mana costs to sacrifice to yep. it but i think we can do better than Omen of the yeah. hunt agreed yeah three mana it's, it's not good no it's just not good um next is satessan champion this is two and a green for a creature human warrior constellation or it's a one three uh constellation whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control put a plus one plus one counter on satessan champion and draw a card on the other end of the spectrum of <laughs> two and a Good green and yeah. <laughs> uh, cards uh i've never lost a match that i've untapped with this card no i've never lost a game um yeah this card is really strong mm-hmm. you just it's just chains into your other enchantments it, yep. and you just go off and draw a lot more cards than your opponent can handle so yep. and I, I think that translates to constructed i do i think it well. does as well i think there are some definitely some strong uh applications here for yeah I don't really know what these decks look like, but... There's a couple of different things that I've seen people doing with them. I think that you can be reasonably aggressive. Um, I like protecting it with the Aelseid, the one white mana, one one lifelink enchantment creature. Sure. Because um, that is an enchantment, so it triggers your 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 champions or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then if you have both of those in play, your opponent doesn't have a lot of options at that point, mm-hmm. and that makes it very easy to untap with your champion. Um Champion at three mana makes it pretty easy if you have stacked your deck with a fair number of one mana enchantments Mm -hmm. to get a trigger off of it the turn you play it. And then it's a two four, which means it doesn't die to most red removal. It doesn't die to Oath of Kaya. uh, It doesn't die to, I guess, Meyer's Grasp if people are playing that. But, you know, two fours are hard to kill with anything that cares about toughness. Yeah. And then after that, it just becomes gigantic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah, it really just steamrolls out of control. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I really like playing it with creatures that are also enchantments because then you are really contributing to your board and drawing cards. And if they wrath you, like it's pretty okay. I also 
like this was part of that Abzan Doom Foretold deck, which was <laughs> cute and did fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, but had a lot of like 70 30 matchups and 30 70 matchups. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yep. Kind of rough laddering with it sometimes. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, the last card we've got is Wolf Willow Haven. This is one in a green for an enchant land. Whenever enchanted land is tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional green. And then four in a green, sacrifice it, create a 2 2 wolf, activate this ability only during your turn. But the thing we care about is this is two mana, non creature based mana ramp. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It's um, so good. Yeah, it feels a lot like just rampant growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than rampant growth, honestly. Yeah, because and this is limited context, but the the ability to turn it into a two two late in the game, great. I'd love to see that on my ramp spell. I've been playing this a lot in constructed. Mm-hmm. That's less relevant. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The thing that's most relevant about it. So the one place where it loses a little bit to rampant growth is it doesn't fix your colors at all. Okay. So if you have a lot of colors in your deck then sometimes this isn't perfect. Yeah. But it wins in a lot of other areas. Sure. Which include the fact that it is an enchantment, so if you Mm -hmm. care about that stuff, like any green enchantment-based deck that's not like a Boggles deck, this is great in it because it's mana acceleration Mm -hmm. that just draws you cards sometimes. Right. Which is wild. Yeah. And it also, on any turn past turn two... Costs one. It costs one. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. You can fit it into any spot. Like, you'll find a turn where you can just put this into play and it feels free. Right. And that's great. So, also does stuff, you know, this does stuff in Pioneer because we don't have access to this effect. In Pioneer. In Pioneer. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I mean, I was browsing some some deck lists and it was in the 7-0 mm-hmm. Storm yeah. Field deck. Yeah. So. Yeah, because it's sort of a, an extra couple of lotus fields yeah like you make right. a two mana land mm-hmm. and then hidden and then strings stuff. like adds mana to your mana pool you untap two lands for two mana and yeah it's pretty good yep so that's it for the green cards yep all right <laughs> on moving to on the multicolored cards colors cards and lands yeah um so first up we have ashiok nightmare muse so this is three blue black for a Planeswalker with five loyalty, has plus one. Create a two, three, blue and black nightmare creature token with whenever this creature attacks or blocks, each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library. Minus three, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Then that player exiles a card from their hand. And minus seven, you may cast up to three face-up cards in your opponent's your opponent's own from exile without paying their mana cost. This card is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been super impressed with this card. It's just completely unbeatable and limited. <laughs> um, but also, it seems to have fit into these Esper decks yeah. that constructed. It's like a perfect Esper hero card. Yeah. Honestly, probably better than Teferi Hero of Dominaria was an Esper hero. That's crazy. Because just the role that it plays mm-hmm. of giving you board presence in the form right. of a Planeswalker yeah. is much more valuable than just, like, drawing cards and then leaving mana untapped in your deck that, like, doesn't really counter spells or anything, like, you know? Yeah. Like, like you were wasting some of the power points of Teferi in that deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but this card does pretty much everything that that deck mm-hmm. wants to do. Um, yeah. You can have sweet tempo plays that are still value with the minus three. Yep. Bounce their thing, and then they have to lose a card from their hand. And yeah, and then just making these two threes. The yep. two threes are, like, a Planeswalker that makes two threes. Mm-hmm. 
Two threes are really hard to attack there. They're, yeah, and if you have multiples of them, they block real well. If you have a 5-5 five five and they have three two threes, yeah. you get to kill one of those two threes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very sad. So I, I think that generally this is a way better card in a mid-range deck like Esper Hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like a Teferi replacement for the decks that Teferi is really good in. Like a pure control deck you would way rather have cards because your cards are designed to trade for the stuff in the format yeah. that two threes might not be that great against. Right. Like, if I were playing a control deck against, like, a Simic Ramp deck, I would way rather draw cards so I can hit counter spells than make two threes that just don't matter versus Hydrocrasis and Cavalier of Thorns and stuff like that. Right. So, uh, but what this does do is if I have been, like, taking my opponent apart with, like, discard spells and stuff, and then I land this, and then I start making two threes, those two threes don't end the game that quickly, but if you already had a little bit of power on the board, then they can just, like, accelerate the end of the game and and kill your opponent before they hit that hydroid crisis yeah so i i do really like this card in those mid-range decks with some amount of other threats in them yeah yeah for sure i think this is a very powerful card yep i'm not gonna pick them up now this is a 20 dollars card ah. and i don't know about esper hero's ultimate place in a meta game it might yeah. just be good again and that's fine like i don't think this ends up being this is not a card I'm shocked by its power level the way I was when we talked about Teferi Hero of Dominaria when sure. it was spoiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a good card, but yeah. it's not like, this card scares mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I, I dig that, for sure. Yeah. I also like that it breaks the traditional yeah. templating of Planeswalkers. It's not, you know, it is plus for value, minus for... Kind of removal. Kind of removal, yeah. ultimate win the game but uh the value is a little different this time it's a two three it's not a card so yeah um and and unlike teferi which just like asks you to not play any win conditions in your deck and allow the game to go (laughs) on forever yeah this this puts power on the board that ends the game yeah yeah for sure all right next up we have actress oracle of half truths so it's two blue black for a legendary creature human advisor three two menace when Atrus Oracle of Half-Truths enters the battlefield, target opponent looks at the top three cards of your library and separates them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Put one pile into your hand and the other into the graveyard. So I love... The game. Love the game. <laughs> uh, I got somebody by doing um, one face-down land and two like decent cards. Yeah. Oh, it feels so good. That only works in limited if they have a really good card in their deck, though. <laughs> that yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, whenever that works out, it was like two like menial cards that like weren't gonna have a huge impact on the game. Mm-hmm. So I think that like taking the gamble is worth for them. Yeah. But just the fact that like that mini game can exist mm-hmm. in a card, love it. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I do think a lot of times in constructed, it's just going to be right to take the two cards regardless of what's face up uh yeah yeah absolutely two cards are just two construct two cards in your constructed deck Mm -hmm. are just going to be better than one card almost all the time uh unless you really need something specific Mm -hmm. and and then in that case this card is pretty good too because like i really need a land they showed me two spells i'll take the gamble on the one card because like land is what i need to hit this turn sure I think that this card, uh, I've seen it see some play in Esper Hero, 
Uh, I think it's a pretty big improvement over Elite Guard Mage, which was Fair never, <clears throat> never yeah. exciting except for exactly against Mono Red when they weren't experimental frenzying you. Yeah. So I, I think this is a pretty decent card. Certainly not overwhelmingly powerful, but a really cute design and fun and and you know it's a creature that it's a four mana three two menace that often draws two cards. Yeah, and and the body is not irrelevant. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. I don't know that I'll end up playing this card very much, but it is not expensive. It's 50 cents and I'll pick up three because sure. Fair enough. Seems fine. Um, all right. Next we have Calyx, Destiny's Hand. So uh, this is a two green white uh, Planeswalker with four loyalty plus one. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an enchantment card from among them and uh, put that card in your hand. The rest go in the bottom in a random order. Minus three, exile target creature or enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. <laughs> it's a little wonky. It's a little wonky. It yeah. turns one of your enchantments into an oblivion ring for, for a creature or enchantment on their side. Yeah. Yeah. Good summary. Yeah. Minus seven, return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, so it requires a very specific deck. You, you got to be green, white. <laughs> you got to be enchantment heavy. Yep. Yeah, this is your green-white enchantments planeswalker. And it's pretty good in that deck. The thing that makes it good to me mm-hmm. is that we got Wolf Willow Haven for this deck. Yes. And just putting your stuff under my Wolf Willow Haven. Oh my feels god. So good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and it curves right into this card. Yeah, on the play, playing this thing, when you go turn two Wolf Willow Haven, they go some two. Mm-hmm. And then you go turn three Calyx Destiny's hand. Yeah. It goes up to five loyalty. They're not going to be able to take that down with their two drop. Yeah. Or if their two drop were a thing that mattered, you just get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, not every game works out perfectly this way for you. You can be on the draw. You cannot have your mana acceleration, in which case, like, you know, it's an okay Planeswalker. The plus one is going to miss mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think you can set yourself up to where it's like 75% to hit something. Yeah. That still means that every fourth activation, you're just not going to get a card off of it. Yeah. And it feels bad <laughs> yeah to when miss. you don't right um and like one of the things that really feels bad about it is like boy i wish you could hit any of your like enchantress effects mm. with the plus but yep. you can't hit satessan champion and you can't hit nessian wanderer um you can hit the black one an enchanted creature dies you draw a card but i don't know that that goes into any of the same decks with with calyx because calyx wants to go into like the more mid-rangey just grind you out with a ton of value enchantment deck and i don't know exactly how to build it but i have been playing a fair amount with the card and i like it i I think it's pretty strong yeah i agree uh i've been really impressed uh when i've played against it so far it's Mm -hmm. done a lot and you know that was in limited decks where this is definitely more of a constructed card in my mind where you really need to build a deck that is build around yeah completely a build around but um yeah it 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 really performed pretty well so yeah i started with four in my enchantment heavy deck i Mm -hmm. went down to three just because you know you could get into behind positions where it isn't that good although um like it's like oblivion ring ability like even if they kill the Calyx, like yeah. that's it's still oblivion ring right, whatever right. they've gotten. So it's sometimes it's just sweet. a removal spell and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. It's um, four mana is I think, you know, definitely on the fine side for a removal spell like that. Yeah. So. And it gets fires of invention, which yeah. is a kind of important thing. Oh yeah. Although I will say that 
uh, banishing lighting or calyxing fires of invention really feels like you're walking on a knife's edge because <laughs> they've got like four teferis in their deck. Yeah, not great. And yeah, so yep. that just doesn't doesn't do the trick all the time. But yeah, these are five bucks. Um, I'm going to buy three. I have enjoyed the enchantment decks that I've been playing with this card in it quite a bit. Solid. All right. <laughs> Next up, we have another exciting one. Pretty exciting um, for limited, for sure. I think and constructed. Uh, yeah. So we've got Dream Trawler. So this is two double white, double blue for a 3-5 flying lifelink. Whenever you draw a card, Dream Trawler gets plus one, plus O until end of turn. Whenever Dream Trawler attacks, you draw a card. And it has an activated ability of discard a card. Dream Trawler gains hexproof until end of turn and tap it. Yep. So you're not killing this thing. It's really hard. Because uh, A, it draws a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. It's got lifelink. Mm-hmm. It attacks for five every turn. Minimum. Minimum. Five. Have you ever cast a thirst for meaning oh, and then attacked with this? I have not. It's... I've actually never had this card on my own. Oh, but I'm I've lucky. But I've lost to it. A couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, this card is insane. Uh, it feels so, so hard to lose when you resolve it. Yep. And, yeah, it just does everything. It's uh, it's like Ojitai, mm-hmm. but way better. Yeah. I mean, it's it does six cost mana, six. Which is definitely a stretch. Mm-hmm. But it, it just does such a great job of, like, stabilizing. Yep. Oftentimes, your opponent has to, like, point a removal spell on it and then kill you that turn. Otherwise, you're gaining five and drawing an extra card and yeah. it's yeah and that's a really impressive yeah so. um they can do the thing where it's just like okay i only need like one or two more turns to win i have a murderous rider in my hand like right. tap it down for a turn yeah 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 and then mm-hmm. uh you know if you're really close in yeah. the game like it, it can not work yeah it's not going to bring you from behind from like dead on board dead. right yeah, yeah. Right. um i mean if they don't have the removal spell you know, it makes you not dead on board anymore because it blocks and gains life. Yeah, it's five toughness lifelink flyer. Yeah. Pretty strong there. So. Yeah. Um, definitely has overperformed when I've seen it mm-hmm. in Constructed. It feels really unbeatable when they play it against you. I do think it's, like, relatively adaptable to. Um, there's a couple of edicts that you can play if you need to. It's fair. <laughs> when I was playing a Doom Foretold list... Uh, all I wanted was for my opponent to tap out for a dream trawler against yeah, me. That's fair. Uh, it's a little less impressive to play Doom Foretold when all of the blue decks are playing Omen of the Sea. Mm. You gotta like work your way through that, and it's a yeah, little yeah, annoying yeah. and makes getting the dream trawler a little bit harder. That's like, fair. It just requires more work and like running out the Doom Foretold to eat their stuff and then sacrifice to like keep their board clear for the second Doom Foretold is like a thing that you have to be like cognizant of yeah but i i do think that if dream trawler becomes preeminent and then deckless adjust to it more there are ways of adjusting to it mm-hmm. but not a ton of ways of adjusting to it we don't have yeah. a lot of good edicts so. yeah that's fair we might have to play that edicts that i was kind of trash talking a little bit yeah <laughs> earlier the three mana right just a creature enchantment or, or enchantment. enchantment yeah there is also a split card uh, there's an Orzov one that one of the sides is like crackling doom basically, but you gain um, life. Okay. Um, it's like four mana. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a thing that you could play if you have black and white mana True. in your deck, which is not the easiest ask in the world. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this card is very, very good. Yep. 
seems that a lot of people are trying it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep, yeah. four bucks. I'm gonna go ahead and get two. I don't think you ever put more than that in a deck. Yeah, six mana is a lot. It is quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I've seen some with three, but it's too many. Okay, I think, <laughs> I think right. that is too many. All right, fair, <laughs> but could be wrong. <laughs> um, all right, next up we have Enigmatic Incarnation. So this is two green blue for an enchantment. It says at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another enchantment. If you do, search your library for a creature card with converted mana costs equal to one plus a sacrificed enchantment's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. I love this card. I love this card, too. <laughs> Good. Um, I think it's fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I, I've drafted a couple of... I, I drafted one deck with two of these, mm-hmm. and that was sweet. Yeah. Uh, just like, you know, people don't really want them. They kind of go around the table and I was in blue, green yeah. enchantment. So I snapped them up. And so enable it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was pretty good, but it's just kind of medium. Yeah. Unfortunate. Huey was playing a lot of like a Bant enigmatic incarnation deck. Okay. Uh, in what like format? Standard, like when, as soon as the set was released, basically. Okay. So completely untested. Fresh standard. Waters. Yeah, yeah. Um, not playing against a ton of like tuned decks or anything sure um and and some of his games like the deck just really looked like absolute garbage uh <laughs> just kind of didn't do anything and died yeah uh yeah some of the games it was just like man i don't know what the heck we can even do here our deck is mm-hmm. so bad right but then incarnation would trigger he'd go get something and like two turns later it, it just like looked like our opponent wasn't even playing magic anymore nice um you know creatures that you can get that are really good at each like point on the mana curve are pretty important having stuff like knight of autumn and deputy of detention for sacrificing like your omens of the sea to get is really nice one like cute thing is if you have a ley line that you can run in your deck so you know like the the ideal world curve the magical christmas land is start with ley line of abundance play a gilded goose turn two enigmatic incarnation sacrifice the ley line get cavalier of thorns and then you're like doing it sure um also one thing that you can do is any enchantment creatures can be like both ends of this so that you're kind of birthing potting you know going up a chain Mm -hmm. in a way that it doesn't naturally do i do think that there's just like a lot of potential locked up in here because you're tutoring your deck for stuff and putting it into play yeah and that's and it's not like Vanifar. You don't play it and then get it lava coiled and then yeah. be sad about the rest of the game. Right. Like, it does it on your end step. And while it doesn't necessarily, like, combo out, you can accrue a ton of value with it, potentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we don't exactly have all the tools that we need for this in Standard. And I think in Modern and Pioneer, it's just a little underpowered. Yeah. Um, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But I do love this card. Yep. So. They're less than a dollar. I think it's, you know, not too difficult for me to just grab them. And yeah. then, you know, maybe I play them just at FNM one night or something. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have uh, Galia of the Endless Dance. This is probably my favorite art in the set. I love this art. Yeah. Oh, man. She's just having a great time. I know. She's really enjoying herself. Yeah. Galia is a um, red-green 2-2 legendary satyr with haste. Other satyrs you control get plus one, plus one, and have haste. And whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random. If you do, drop two cards. Mm-hmm. 
Great. Yeah. I love this card. That's sick. Yeah. I drafted this in our in our IRL draft. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it was very good. Um uh yeah, drawing two cards off of one discarded random mm-hmm. is uh is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um it's, that's value. Yeah, I mean and it you know, not a ton not clear exactly what deck to play this in, but we do have stuff that goes with this in yeah. multiple formats. Right. You know, Embercleave is really nice. With the, the, Embercleave wants you to attack with a bunch of creatures. She wants you to attack with a bunch of creatures. Yeah. Like, done. Right. Like, we can make that happen. It's also kind of neat to cast off of a, like, a Burning Tree Emissary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a little weird because you're not necessarily getting the Bushwalker that turn. Is two. Burning Tree? What's Burning Tree? In, in, oh, what is its creature type? It's like an elf berserker or something <laughs> like that. Tree? It's definitely not a satyr. Oh, there's there's a chance. Which is why an, I asked. It has to be from <laughs> no a Theros chance. set to be a satyr. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, you know, like that's a way if you're in a uh, a bushwhacker deck, mm-hmm. or you know, with like rabble master making tokens or whatever, like it can be pretty easy to get multiple attackers to yeah. trigger her. Yeah, so I could see her in pioneer as well. Mm-hmm. So cool card. Yeah. Yeah, I like this card a lot. I yeah, I don't think it really has a home. No, um, it's it's tough to to see exactly what to do with it. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we have Hactos the Unscarred. <laughs> so this is uh, red, red, white, white for a legendary creature, human warrior. It's a six-one. Hactos the Unscarred attacks each combat if able. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> As Hactos enters the battlefield, choose. Two, three, or four at random. Great. I love it already. Um, Hectos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. So this is the top-down Achilles design. He only has one weakness, and then nothing else can affect him. Right. So this card is kind of wild. It's like... It's either unplayable yeah. or broken, depending on what you roll <laughs> for your <laughs> for your uh for your thing. I mean it's gonna trade for something. Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. Like at the worst. And and you don't really have a lot of control no. over what it's gonna trade for. Or it your opponent just doesn't have any of the thing that you roll and it just kills them in three attacks. <laughs> yep. So um, so that's kind of like where where we're at for the Hectos. like this definitely like got some people mad on Twitter, mm-hmm. but this is not true name nemesis. Oh no! Like you cannot put equipment on this. Like yeah. you can never ember cleave it up. It always right. has protection from six. Yeah, and you can never play defense with it mm-hmm. except for the first turn. Yeah, and it always. I mean, you know, Trinity Nemesis did this too, but the big thing with this card is, like, it is always weak to a Wrath effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, this card just doesn't really do anything, I don't think. Yep. I even think that, like, maybe even in the limited deck, it's not as good as you think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't take these very highly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of a cool design. It's Achilles. Yeah, it's neat. It's definitely a cool design. Yeah. Just never really going to play it. All right, next up we have uh, Clothis, God of Destiny. So this is one red-green for a 4-5 uh, legendary enchantment creature god, indestructible. Um, Devotion has to hit 7 for the double-colored gods. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, add red or green mana. Otherwise, you gain 2 life, and Clothis deals 2 damage to each opponent. 
So it's a weird one. Yeah, I don't have a good handle on this card, I don't think. I think it is... It's really... It's great and limited. Sure. It's a bomb. Because great. the double-colored gods are actually easier to turn on than the single-colored in limit. Yeah. In Constructed, um, they are harder. Um, yeah. I think yeah, that... Because yeah. it, it is very difficult to do it with two other permanents mm-hmm. in Constructed. Yeah. And it's very easy to turn on the single color gods with two other permanents, but all, yeah, yeah. almost impossible. You need like three three other permanents in play to turn on the the yeah. multicolored ones, and that's a huge ask. Yeah, I don't think that this card is going to make the transition to constructed in okay. any format. Yeah, I do think so. So the thing that makes it seem pretty good to me. I don't think that the adding mana thing is like very reliable or good because mm-hmm. the only format that you definitely will be able to add mana with at all times is modern. Yeah. And this isn't like, that's not what I'm thinking about it for. It's yeah. just not doing the things that you want to do in modern. Yeah. But in standard, if it comes down as a threat after you've like played your Zerta goblins and stuff like that, and then you play this and it like is threatening to become a, a monster Four five indestructible for three is very good. Mm-hmm. They kill. They have to kill your stuff off. I mean, they had to kill it anyways, and then it just sits there like being sulfuric vortex for a while, like and and it's gaining you two life a turn. So if it's a race or something, I don't know if that is a good enough thing. But if this is often just three mana drain two life a turn, like I guess in a format where there's incidental life gain, like that doesn't do anything against mono black. Because you start gaining, you start draining two life a turn, and then they're just like, okay, Grey Merchant, you, like, drain ten. Yeah. And then all your work is, like, undone. You're not gonna, you're not gonna nickel and dime them out of the game. That's fair. So, yeah, I guess I just don't really see, there's something here. I'm not really putting it together, and I'm not, I'm also not excited about Gruel and Standard right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. I don't, I just don't think this is gonna make the cut. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yep. I also don't think the next card's going to make the cut. Same. Uh, so this is Kroxa, uh, Titan of Death's Hunger. It's black-red for a 6-6 legendary creature, Elder Giant. Uh, but it has the, when Kroxa enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped clause. <laughs> so whenever Kroxa enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card. Then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way lo- <laughs> loses six life or three loses life. Three life loses three life, um, and it has escape for black, black, red, red, uh, and exile five other cards from yeah. your graveyard. So I drafted this card, and you know built my deck around it, mm-hmm. and it was really bad. <laughs> the initial cast does nothing. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, I just didn't. I wasn't like very happy with like the play patterns with it. Yeah. It was a pretty, like, replaceable escape card in my deck. Like, it could have just been any escape fatty, and yeah. I would have been fine with, like, what the card was. Right. But this one was, like, exile five cards, which is way more than all the other escape cards. Sure. Limited. I don't want to do this in standard. Mm-mm. We don't have the enablers for it. Mm-mm. It just, like, isn't performing a function. The The thing that is, like, kind of neat is that it it doesn't just go straight to the graveyard. If you have an oven in play, you can, like, get two food off of it. If you have the the nightmare guy, like, you get an additional comes into play trigger off of it when it dies because you get, like, a 1-1 copy for a second. And, yeah. like, that, like, there's some kind of neat stuff. 
But boy, like casting this is just so bad on its own. And the only way I could be interested in playing it is if there is some deck that is like very graveyard based Mm -hmm. and this is just doing graveyard stuff. Yeah. Perhaps in Pioneer, this is in some specific deck, a good way of triggering prized amalgams and getting value over a long game. Mm -hmm. But I'm just not really seeing it. And I'm not like when you have to draw it in your opening hand, it's just really not great. Yeah. Yep. Agree with all that for sure. Kunoros, Hound of Athreos. Uh, it's one white black for a legendary creature hound. It's a three, three with vigilance, menace, and lifelink says creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield and players can't cast spells from graveyards. So it's a graph diggers cage Mm -hmm. on a dog. Yeah. Graph diggers cage on a dog. Um, most of a graph diggers cage. But it only hits the graveyards, not libraries. Right. Right. You can still cast collected company. You could collected company this into play. In fact. Very nice. Amazing. Combo. Yeah. Yeah, This card is, uh, I think, like a role player, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see in Constructed some people wanting these, like, maybe like a one of in the sideboard or something like that. Well, and if you're black-white and there is graveyard stuff happening, Mm -hmm. like, I think this is a pretty defensible inclusion in your main deck. It's got a lot of keywords. Like, 3-3, Vigilance, Menace, Lifelink. Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to be good on a lot of boards and yeah. it's tough to race and yeah. the red deck right now doesn't kill three toughness creatures that well so this three three lifelink is actually like kind of gonna mess them up right the red deck in standard i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, the red deck in pioneer certainly has plenty of lightning strikes <laughs> so you know if you're playing a black white deck and you're like geez cat is really beating me up maybe you can just put this into your deck yeah so that's kind of neat yeah but it is very metagame dependent if you want this card or not yeah, that's and, fair. And also dependent, like you have to be able to make black and white mana, which a lot of decks cannot do. You know, I'm not super excited about it, and it's hard to find a home. I don't see a specific. There's just place no deck that I know of. Right. Like maybe Esper Hero could want some number of these if it wants to be a little more creature oriented. But... I could see it if Esper Hero is like, man, this, these cats keep coming back. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, this is a sure. t- totally reasonable inclusion in there. I dig that. So, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, all right. Next up, we have Pelucronos Unchained. So this is two black green for legendary creature Zombie Hydra. So it's a zero zero, but um, Pelucronos enters the battlefield with six plus one plus one counters on it. It escapes with 12 plus one plus one counters on it. Um, it's got escape for uh, four black green exile six other cards from your graveyard. Six is a lot. Six is so many. Yeah. So if damage would be dealt to Pelucronos while it has a plus one plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove that many plus one plus one counters from it. Um, and it has one black green, Pelucronos fights another target creature. So my story for this card yes. was that I thought I was going to be so clever mm-hmm. because I had a Pelucronos and my opponent enchanted it with the the three mana passivism that has the three mana activated ability that you can exile a card under it. Yeah. And they played it, and they activated it, and I thought I was going to be so clever. <laughs> and I fought my Death Touch creature in response with it. Uh-huh. And Pelucronos is immune to Death Touch. Prevents the damage. Yeah. So all you did was murder your Death Touch creature. <laughs> so I just murdered my Death Touch guy <laughs> in response, and my Pelucronos still got exiled. Okay, but you know, one Death Touch creature that it is not immune to. Oh. Questing Beast. 
Oh. Your combat damage can't be prevented. Wild. So it just trades with questing piece. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it loses four counters and takes four damage, I guess? Uh, yes. Okay. And takes death touch damage. Oh, it's, so oh, it's got death It, touch. like, very <laughs> dies. <laughs> yeah, it very dies. But if, if you have a questing beast in play and you attack with multiple creatures and they block a not questing beast, they block, like, a 3-3, three, three, okay. then it does, it does lose the counters that. and take the damage. Yeah. Fascinating. So it's real not okay. great against questing beast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so I learned my lesson sure. the hard way on that one. <laughs> My, yeah, my my poor hierophant just killed well, it. You won't you won't do that at the players tour. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Um but okay, so Pelucranos is really strong. Although escape for six That's so or, much. and five or yeah, six other cards from your graveyard. That's a lot. Yeah. And if you're not escaping this thing, mm-hmm. like I just don't think it's doing the thing. Like a four mana basically vanilla six six is not constructed playable. No. No, not right now. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of low on this card at the moment. Yeah, like it fights stuff and that's cool, but it, yeah. and then it trains. Then it gets little. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just like with the Titan and stuff, like these like mythic escape cards, mm-hmm. I only am really interested in them if I'm doing like all graveyard shenanigans. Yeah. And even then, like this has six mana in its escape cost, so yeah. I don't really know what we're doing with this one, and I'm just not particularly interested. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a limited bomb, but it's not, yeah. you know. And it's also just can been, like, fine. Yeah. Fine and limited. Right. So. You don't get to just keep fighting guys over and over <laughs> again. Like, you run out. Right. Yeah. And you also run out of cards in your graveyard pretty yep. quick. So. Six is so many. In mm-hmm. a 40-card deck? Like, yeah. That's a lot. Of, that's a that's, big portion of your deck. That's just a chunk of your deck you're that, throwing away. That is 15% of your deck each time. <laughs> Whoops. All right, next up we have Slaughter Priest of Mogus. So this is black-red for a 2-2 Minotaur Shaman. Whenever you sacrifice a permanent, Slaughter Priest of Mogus gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. And then you can spend 2 mana and sacrifice another creature or enchantment to give Slaughter Priest of Mogus first strike until end of turn. So again, this is just for that aggressive version of the Cat Oven Mayhem Devil deck. If, yeah. if we're in a spot where you want to play two mana creatures that get a ton of power when you've assembled Cat Combo. This, yeah, in Constructed, if you're building your deck through the Cat Combo, this gives a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to do anything special to get the, the plus two, plus so. You just need to sack permanent. And also remember the trick of if you have a bunch of food into play mm-hmm. and this gets through... Yeah. You can just sacrifice all of your food like in response to each other with the cat to give this like plus ten plus zero or something. Ooh. Because you don't have to you can do it before allowing the cat to resolve and come back into play. I like that. So Okay, cool, cool. You know, that's a yeah. thing that that that's a, a line that often can do a lot of damage. Yeah. I can see that for sure. It'll probably be it might be in the like the red black cat mm-hmm. deck, but it's yeah. yeah, it's not really in the green deck. No, no, I don't think that's what Jund is trying to do right. at all. Yeah. Yep. All right, next up we have Staggering Insight. So this is uh white blue for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has lifelink, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Yeah. This card has been 
extremely impressive for me in limited. Mm-hmm. I was I was gonna say, let me get ahead of um, you on this one. This is a good limited card. It's a great limited card. Life Link is so juicy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, drawing cards is also great. So yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, um, this is no Curious Obsession, mm-hmm. both because it's multiple colors and two mana, but also because yeah. we don't really have the tools that, you know, Curious Obsession had Dive Down mm-hmm. and Siren Storm Tamer. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. like, if you put Curious Obsession on a guy and if your hand was right, then that was that staying was on that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you cast, like, one uh, counter spell and they're tempoed out and then you're just up a billion cards. And, right, yeah. Um, we don't really have the tools to do that mm-hmm. right now. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I I just can't see this making the way into constructed right now. I don't super think so. The one place that I think we could do something with it is rather than in like a an actually like a fish kind of deck, the way that that mono blue deck was, is in some sort of bant boggles enchant like constellation kind of deck mm-hmm. where. You know, you put this on a Satessan Champion, and it's got, like, seven or eight power, yeah. and then you smash them with it. Sure. And, like, they're never winning that race to come back from it. Yeah, but in this game, our... I know, we've already drawn we've a billion cards, six right? Car- yeah, six yeah, times. Yeah. For I sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, the, that's also a deck that has, like, the Alcyon that protects a creature mm-hmm. and gives it protection from a color. So okay. whatever you want to put Staggering Insight on, yeah, likely, yeah, yeah. gets protected but you do need to have evasion somehow too right so this asks quite a bit and i don't really know how to provide what it's asking for yeah 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 i, I think i'm in the same boat yep i think it's it's like a good card but um i don't think that we have the tools for it in standard same yeah all right this one we we got some tools for <laughs> this one slides in pretty well to some decks so this is uro titan of nature's wrath so one green blue for a 6-6 six, six legendary creature, Elder Giant. It has the, uh, when Uro enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped clause. Whenever Uro enters the battlefield or attacks, you may gain three life and draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it explore plus gain threes mm-hmm. whenever you, um, whenever it ETVs or you attack with it. And then it has escape for green, green, blue, blue, exile five other cards. Yeah. I will say this card does not quite live up to the hype that it got upon its like mm. first being spoiled. Yeah. But it would have been basically impossible for it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh it is not I don't I don't think it's the best card in the set for standard even. Mm-hmm. However, it has been quite good. Yeah. Uh you have to be running Cavalier of Thorns, I think, to make this work but it is best friends with it. It curves perfectly into it, and then Cavalier sets it up to escape, and then you just, like, have so many lands at right. that point. You've gained a lot of life. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, and, and, cards. and the life gain is really important. You just, like, if it gains you six or nine life over the course of the game, you're not going to get punked out in mm-hmm. any way. It just, like, gives you this value. When you get Wrathed, sometimes, like, that can be pretty obnoxious. Like, maybe they got a couple of your lands and they did something to take care of your Nyssa and then they kill your guys. And then, if you have this left over, though, then now you have a 6-6 and you draw a card and you're, like, kind of right back in it. Yeah. Gives the deck good tools, but I don't think it really explodes it into a new... Like, the blue-green decks are very powerful. Yeah. But they are also beatable. Yeah. You know? 
It, it definitely doesn't seem like it is on the same power level of the stuff that the blue-green deck is already doing. Yeah. It just, like, adds a little extra... Yeah, it's a flexible like enable, card. Enabler ability to those decks. Yep, yeah. yep. It's a flexible card that helps the deck in spots where it might have been kind of behind before. Where I've actually been most impressed by this card is actually in Pioneer, hmm. in the Niv-Mizzet decks. decks. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, this curves into Niv-Mizzet pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to escape. Sure. Just because the mana's rough. Yeah. For you might need like green, the second green, blue blue the second carry it's in play in order to yeah. do it <laughs> right but uh it it's pretty powerful there and you know drawing the cards is really nice that deck just needs more like velocity in terms of card draw mm-hmm. it also helps you find your nivmizits and stuff so um yeah yeah making yeah. your deck like a higher concentration of bring delights and nivmizits is yeah, like yeah, yeah. pretty good yeah absolutely because the the games where you don't draw either of those cards you are die unwinnable you, you just have a bunch of kind of like a bunch of three mana spells right yeah. and you just die yeah but yeah that's a row i yeah i think it's overhyped at the moment mm-hmm. yeah um, i mean it, but it's it's very strong it's 28 dollars right now i'm yeah. gonna pass for for this moment interesting uh, yeah much much to dubs chagrin yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> dude. i i do think it is quite good and i honestly will probably buy them at some point yeah but i don't think this ends up being a 40 dollar mythic yeah. you know I, yeah. I i just don't think that's what's happening with it yeah i right. can do the artifacts all right you got give them. you a little break so we've only got a couple of artifacts first we've got nyx lotus this is a four mana legendary artifact enters the battlefield tapped Tap, choose a color, add an amount of mana of that color equal to your devotion to that color. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already seen this. I've played against it. It has been impressive. Sure. The key to it is being able to untap it on the turn um, that you play it. Okay. And what can do that? So there's a couple of things that do it. Uh, Kiora has been the main one in standard. Mm. Um, people have been trying to use Kiora and making their while. decks worse by putting it in there for a long yeah. time. This is the one that does it. Okay. Honestly. Um, because you can be mono blue. And have mm. Kiora still. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that ends up working out really well. Quite well, I think. Okay. I don't know that this is a deck that lasts all the way through standard, but it's definitely doing some really powerful, really insane stuff. And I definitely had somebody cast a Gadwick for 17 on turn five against me with it. Okay. So that that's good. Um, if you can use the mana immediately, if you like curve the the two drop thassa's uh the the one three that that scries or whatever mm-hmm. into kiora into this or something like that then you get a refund on your mana immediately and you can start casting more stuff and then the turn after that you just can do whatever you want with this fair um i think there's probably like a mono green version too this is less exciting for pioneer because we already have nickthos <laughs> yeah but Several of the same things that work with Nykthos can work with Nyx Lotus. Like, yep. Kiora can work with both of those. Mm-hmm. So maybe having redundancy could be a thing. Kind of depends a lot on how many, like, Abrades and Coligans commands and stuff are running around. If you can run a card like this. Right, yeah. Four um, mana artifacts are, yeah. can sometimes be a little sketch. Yes, definitely. So, But I do think that, like, the big takeaway is if you are able to realistically untap this the turn that you play it a lot then it refunds you on your mana and makes it really powerful and then that importantly what that does is it sets itself up for the next turn so you go from like three devotion to like five devotion and then on your next turn you start with an untapped next lotus that you can untap 
that taps for like you cast another spell and then you can tap it for like seven mana untap it cast another spell tap it for 10 mana or whatever and because gadwick fits so perfectly in the deck you got stuff to do there sure or hydroid crisis if you are focused on green or something like that so um cool card and i don't know if it ends up sticking around i believe that it is probably quite expensive right now yeah that's a seven dollar rare i'm gonna (laughs) hold off on that one (laughs) next is shadow spear one for a legendary artifact equipment equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has trample and lifelink one, permanence, your opponent's control, lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. And it has equip two. This card is much better than people think it is in limited. It's just a good equipment in limited. It's lifelink on an equipment in limited it's is so good. Really, really good. Yeah. Uh, it makes racing impossible. And the equip two cost is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the equipment only costs one itself. I can't imagine it seeing constructed play. I can mostly only see it as a bullet. It, it allows your Stoneforge Mystic to kill indestructible and hexproof stuff. All right, so if that's the market that we're in, I think that we have the have the answer. But I, yeah, I don't yeah, know about that I one. I don't know about that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, if Boggles becomes a huge, if Boggles becomes a huge issue, problem, yeah. You can in your Stoneforge Mystic deck. So yep. you're, okay, you're playing Bant Stoneblade in <laughs> in Modern, and Boggles is like the number one deck. You gotta have. You your gotta Shadow have your Shadow Spear. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah, it'd be the best answer. It'd be great. It'd be very good. Just path your Boggle with five right. enchantments on it. Yeah, game goodbye. <laughs> it does remove indestructible from gods. It does kind of remove Hexproof from the Sphinx, as long as you have more mana than they have cards in their hand. Ooh, that's awkward. But I think generally, like, this is going to win a fight against the Sphinx if you were getting into that fight. You'll set it up so that it will. There could be applications. You have to, like, want this equipment for some reason in your deck, Mm -hmm. which I think, giving Trample and Lifelink, like, you need some, like, high power creatures in your deck. And then also it has to have application where you have removal that you would want to use against hexproof and indestructible guys that you couldn't otherwise. Yeah, it's a it's a big ask, and I think it's unlikely that we see this seeing much play. Fair enough. Last artifact is Soul Guide Lantern. This is one. When it enters the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard, tap, sacrifice it, exile each opponent's graveyard, and one tap and sacrifice it to draw a card. It's like a cool, like midway between Tormod's Crypt and Relic of Progenitus yep. and Nile Spellbomb kind of, you can't draw the card and exile the graveyard, but if exiling the graveyard is important to you, maybe that isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Boarding in graveyard hate, I don't know that it's worth adding a mana onto a Tormod's Crypt for the option to cycle it, usually, because yeah. you just want to get them with your graveyard hate right the thing that i care about the most with this though is that in both standard and pioneer it gives us an artifact that sacrifices to draw a card that we can use with emery yeah yeah that's fair so and that's a pretty good pretty good thing to have for emery yeah. emery's been missing that in pioneer yeah definitely so. and if your emery deck is just main decking like a bunch of soul guide lanterns and tormod's <laughs> crypts like you're not gonna lose to any of the gather the pack decks <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, we've got eight main deck. <laughs> Just eight cards for your graveyard. Oh, you put a Zatalpa in your graveyard? Oh, pull the trigger. Can't yeah. have that. Mm-mm. No, thank you. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that deck can just gather the pack, and if they hit, they can immediately play the Soul Flayer. So that's kind of, yeah. you know, that is one weakness of the Tormod's Crypt effects. If they can hold priority between, like, enabler and payoff thing, then it doesn't always get them. So, yeah. Got a couple of lands here. Uh, Field of Ruin is back. Field of Ruin. Run it in your control decks. It's back with some sweet new art. Sweet new art, yeah. Um, I played a version... I played a blue-white list that I, I that somebody had tweeted out that they were doing well with, and it had one of the next non-basic land and none of the Field of Ruin, huh. and that was the wrong wrong setup of those. Whoops. Uh, Castle Lockdown, being able to kill that is mm-hmm. really nice out yeah. of your control deck. Yeah. Um, that's the most important one, I think, but for sure. honestly, like having an answer to that card is really good. Yeah, I believe that. Absolutely. And the last, this is we have the temples. Pick up the temples; they're they're playable. They're fine. Yeah. Um, and then we also have <laughs> Labyrinth of Scophos. Uh, this is a land that taps for colorless. Four tap, remove target attacking or blocking creature from combat. Um, it's too much mana. Yeah. It's just not. You yeah. can't really play this. Too much mana constructed. And honestly, like I initially was picking these really highly in um, limited, and now I almost ignore them mm-hmm. they i mean it's like fine and i'll like i'll pick one up in a deck that i have like good mana in and it like it can be like pretty good spell there how much of a difference does it make if you have the minotaur oh i've never assembled that so. <laughs> zan yeah. did i was drafting zan did? i was drafting with zan and he was like thinking about whether or not to cut the labyrinth from his deck and i was like but you have the minotaur and he was like what <laughs> classic and i've I, been looking to this into that combo. <laughs> it's like zan yeah you yeah. have the minotaur and i yeah. like moved his mouse so he could zoom in on the card and you could read the read the trinket text <laughs> for this you have the rare you can do it <laughs> i wonder if he did probably i hope so yeah uh right so the, there yeah there's a minotaur in the set that uh has fights this... whatever you target with this right yeah. which is it's, it's really cute it's incredibly cute. It's yeah. I mean, that's the that's the flavor. Is yep. that that's it's it's Scophos and it's his labyrinth or whatever. I guess. I think Scophos built the labyrinth. Oh, or no, Scophos is the place that the labyrinth is. Oh, okay. Um, but he's the Minotaur in there. He's the Minotaur in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's the that's the that's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, this card is, I don't think it's going to see constructed play, nah. but, and it's kind of gone down for me in limited. I, it's, it's so much. It costs five mana. To I'm going against this. the grain on that one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people swear by this card. Um, I think it is really good if your opponent has a decent number of combat tricks, being able mm-hmm. to undo a combat is really, yeah, yeah. really nice. And I'm very excited to have it in against any green white deck for not only the combat tricks but just like they just like have one massive creature or whatever Mm, yeah Um, sure so yeah so certainly like is worth sideboarding in limited Mm -hmm. but yeah um cool well that took a while but we got all the way through it we did it another set review in in the the banks (laughs) (laughs) great um so really appreciate everybody hanging out anybody who's still in chat thank you you're you're sweet um, well, so if you would like to lend us some support, we would really appreciate you uh, coming and subscribing to us on Patreon. We've got plenty of goodies to send out, and that's, that is one of 
two ways of getting Collins' <laughs> one-on-one coaching. Yeah. Um, but I'm also giving out advice for free now these days. And where do you do that? Well, you can go to my Twitch channel, mm-hmm. which uh, we're streaming on right now. Yep. Twitch.tv slash Collins Mullen. I stream starting around 2 p.m. on mm-hmm. Monday through Thursday. Cool. Awesome. So you got a, a solid schedule set up. You're going to... Yep. Nice. Awesome. Um, right now, mostly prepping for the PT, playing a lot of limited. My stream is just going to be whatever I want to play. Cool. Sorry, y'all. I mean, it's more, um, yeah. m- more fun to watch somebody having fun. I am floating around the idea of setting up a like a donation tier where I'm, I'd be willing to play your deck list through a league mm-hmm. for a certain donation amount. I think that's kind of like a cool idea and yeah. could get me playing some fun new decks. For the time being, I've got some tournaments to prepare for. I'm going to be working on those. I will say donation decks, in my experience, tend to result in the streamer playing bad new decks the vast majority of the time. Yeah. But as long as, I feel that. As, long as you like understand what you're getting into, right. that it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, mostly, you know, catch me typically two to five or six mm-hmm. on Monday through Thursday. I'll be there. Cool. Um, yeah, if you want it find us on social media we are tweeting from i'm uh, at ccr underscore grindcast collins is also on twitter at collins mullen um the podcast twitter is at mtg underscore grindcast and uh if you want to find us our website is mtggrindcast.com we've got all the old episodes there we've got links to our patreon and stuff too yeah that's pretty much it Thanks to everybody so much for sticking around. We know this was a long one, but hopefully you broke it up into chunks. <laughs> we did not. We did not. No. Um, but we're troopers. We are. So. We made it. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Time for bed. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>